Why don't you relax? You can't save me. You ain't gonna become a drunkard over this, are you? No, I'll go ahead and die if you want to. I don't care. Well, you act like you hold it against me. I walked this earth my whole life with my pride, see? Now, if that's lost, then let the rest be lost with it. Because there's certain things my vanity won't abide. You're a damn vanity. Well, I guess you're gonna want a fancy funeral, too, ain't you? I've been thinking of that. I have a favor to ask of you, and then I'll do you a favor in return. What favor? I want you to bury me down yonder in Clara's Orchard. Texas. Yes, Texas. That's your favor to me, and that's my favor to you, too. I'm giving you a reason to go off on another adventure so you don't get bored being a rancher, which you ain't one anyway. You're one of a kind, Augustus. We're gonna miss you. Even you? Even me. Hey, everybody. Welcome. My name is Matt, and I'm here with my old man. Today, we're going to be talking about Lonesome Dove, the godfather of westerns, and the balance between hard work and dying and truly living. So grab your popcorn and Reese's Pieces, and let's break it down on the Post Credit Podcast. So, what, it's been like probably maybe six months since you've seen this movie? <laughs> yeah, the last time. <laughs> I just got through watching it again. Well, how often it. do you watch it? <clears throat> probably at least once a year. Yeah? Yeah, something like that. I mean, I have my, my downtime, you know, like on the weekend or something like that, and I'll be like, uh, eh, it's a it's a Lonesome Dove kind of weekend. It's a Lonesome Dove weekend. <laughs> now, I watched this with you for the first time must have been over a year ago because it was before COVID and all that. Oh, okay. Uh, you and Mom had come over and we watched it in the theater. I can't remember when it, when that was or whatever. But we did watch it in the theater, didn't we? Yeah, because you'd always told me about it. I'd never really seen it. Oh, I'd really? Still, I'd seen little pieces here and there. I never tied you down to watch it. No, no, no. <laughs> Thankfully, no. Maybe maybe Mom was <laughs> helping us out in that. Like, yeah. like no, you can't make them do uh, uh, westerns <laughs> if they don't want to do westerns. <laughs> That's hilarious. But, I mean, I really enjoyed it this yeah. time. The, 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 for some reason, when I watched it this time, it's probably because it's the same thing that the show has done for many movies and TVs for uh, TV shows for me and Andrew. It's, uh, it's, it, it requires us to look at it differently, yeah. look at it more intently with more purpose, and to actually try to... Um, experience it differently i guess than we're used to because usually you know i just want to sit there and turn my brain off and be entertained and everything be a popcorn eater. i just started to say i'm the original popcorn eater so that's what you want to do yeah. <laughs> so that's what maybe where we got it or whatever but uh it, you know in, in taking the extra time to to look at the characters look at what their motivations see if there's any foreshadowing different things like that that's the kind of stuff that i like to do i just don't you know have a motivation to do it all the time and now with every movie we do on here or tv show that we do on here i'm i'm making sure i focus so that's the difference between me being a popcorn eater normally on a show and watching uh 
uh, Lonesome Dove, uh, even, you know, some other Westerns I've looked at. Uh, Westerns are, you know, good guy, bad guy, white hat, black hat, you know. Yeah. You know what's going to happen, all this kind of stuff. With Lonesome Dove, is more of a story. You know, Larry McMurtry, you did a, a great job of putting it together and all that kind of stuff. And even your mother said, uh, that's, a, that's a good movie. That's a good story. Yeah, it's a good story. It's, it's, it's more realistic than other quote-unquote cowboy movies because you know you got cowboy movies and it's usually like just you know uh uh, pistoliers you know (laughs) and and there will be gunplay yeah yeah (laughs) we need we need to have gunfighters against card players and gunfighters and you know it it worked well for tombstone you know tombstone i think is less accurate than the movie wyatt earp with kevin costner but it's a better movie (laughs) (laughs) you know i'm not bored out of my mind for half the time so you know it's 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 one of these things where Maybe that's why I never watched it because I mean it's true cowboy movie. Yeah. Cowboys aren't uh, aren't you know gunslingers and you know some of them might be, but that's not what a cowboy is. A cowboy used to drive cattle and and across the 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 wilderness of America, the the new frontier and all right. that kind of stuff. So well, I liked it. I liked it because of the. Uh even the dress and i mean they all look dirty they all looked like they hadn't had a bath in a week and or a month probably and stuff like that the clothes were you know a bit ragged and all that kind of stuff but it, you know the food they ate the whole works was was probably more to more life more true you know? yeah and 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 larry mcmurtry wrote lonesome dove to help people get over their romantic notions right. about cowboy life uh and cattle drives he wanted to show the brutal hardships and difficult times that cowboys faced on the frontier and you see that throughout the movie you see through all the loss that they experience the people that die along the way um you know even just the montages of traveling you're just just so worn out and you know even when (laughs) tommy lee jones is going all the way up to montana coming all the way back to texas and then has to go all the way back and it's just like pouring with sweat and it was a different time it absolutely was and it was you know it was texas and then it was uh uh, montana i mean you can't get much different in 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 temperature and all that kind of stuff keep in mind these cowboys probably made 30 to 40 bucks a month doing that that's crazy you know they got fed but you know that's about it yeah Well, they only need they only need two bucks for a good poke. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Which is a reoccurring theme in this movie. I'll so. say. I'll say. Um, so what is your what is your favorite part of this movie? What 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 makes this okay, so we're talking about Lonesome Dove. Just let our audience know today we're talking about Lonesome Dove. I have my dad here. Um, Andrew uh skipped out today because he i don't know maybe he doesn't like cowboy movies no he had a wedding and, and a couple other and he you know we're in between seasons right now he's doing house hunting he's trying to get a house right now so uh-huh. we're taking this time between seasons to let him do that house thing and everything so that's right I so just, I, I took it upon myself to uh, get back on the mic just for him I right doing that for him right right yeah. right right you know and he, he you know he wants to be here and everything but in, in lieu of him trying to do that stuff, we're going to give him that time, there and we go. we need to do this movie anyways. And when you say get back on the mic, because you were on the mic for how many years? Oh gosh, from the time I was thirteen years old till I don't know, a couple of years, you know, ten, fifteen years ago, something like that. And you were on WOZI in Maine. Start out KACT in Andrews, Texas. Okay. WOZI up in Maine. Uh, I did. Uh, my dad was uh, KERB in Kermit, but uh, my last gig was in San Antonio at the Armadillo. The Armadillo. Yeah. It was like at that time it was one of uh, at least the competing top country stations as, in San Antonio. As a matter of fact, because they were um, 
competing so well with their sister station they were both owned the the, the leading uh, radio station w- was owned by the same folks we were doing better and taking all their audience away so oh, wow they after i think we were on for two three years but we were doing really good it was a great radio station and they took us off the air and went easy listening so they didn't take away all their clientele <laughs> from the other one so yeah uh, but that pissed off a bunch of country fans. I know it pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, okay, so just to give our audience a background, you're also a military veteran. You did uh, Air Force for a quarter of a century. Right. You know, so, I mean, the the radio gig, that was something you did in high school and then something you did sure. on the side on your off days. That's Kind of right. like, like what we have here with this podcast, kind of right. like a little hobby. I'm going to go do a radio station. So you did that at nights when you weren't, yeah, my dad. Active duty stuff. My dad was radio TV, and uh, your granddad was radio TV and newspaper all his life. And he was managing a, a station there in in uh, in Andrews, Texas, and put me on there when I was thirteen years old, <laughs> playing you know Donny Osmond and 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 stuff like Puppy Love and and uh, and Michael Jackson, you know, Jeez. and Jackson Five and stuff like that. But uh, that's what I did, and you know, uh, everywhere Daddy went, uh, I did that. But then uh, then when I went to the Air Force, I would I do that on the weekends mostly. Yeah. So. That was a good time because oh, we, we used to be able to just like turn on the radio and yeah, you know, we'd be listening to country music, which we weren't really much into uh, back then or anything. But then we hear you come on and we get to hear. And then when you worked in WOZI in Maine, I don't know if that was, I think that was just a regular radio station, yeah, not yeah. country. No, it was country. Oh, was it country? Because yeah, yeah. I know you used to do the weather reports about, or not weather reports, like the reports on where Santa was. Oh, yeah. And different things like that on the radio. That's right. We used to tune in and listen, hey, we're, we're Santa and everything. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, yeah, so I, I invited you on to get on the mic so we can talk about this movie. Uh, it's It's got to be the most epic Western movie of all time, the most... Um, accurate cowboy movie yeah. as far as that goes um and as robert duvall excuse me as robert duvall called it the godfather of westerns yeah yeah he was you know and a little background here i mean when i was growing up you know 60s and all that kind of stuff my dad uh, used to take us to the movies and see the john waynes the original john waynes and i'm not talking about the searchers back in the 50s and stuff like that but you know mcclintock and i got something to say about the search okay. there, there's a link to this movie oh okay cool cool <laughs> yeah. But, uh, uh, I mean, in, in the movies theater we would go to are the old-timey big ones. I mean, the, you know, the, the, the theaters were, you know, uh, 100 feet wide or something like that, right. big old stage, and the, the screen was massive. And, of course, the sound systems, you know, playing the epic, you know, Western music. and There was still one of those type of, of theaters in Kodiak. Wow. In Kodiak, Alaska, the only theater we had on base. It was a base theater. Right. And it was like one of these – it comes oh, down, yeah. but then it kind of comes back up. That's right. And everything. It was huge, massive, massive but yeah. it was just so old. I love that. <laughs> and like I said, the sound system of those were, were crazy. So those are some of my favorite childhood memories is, is uh, going to movies with Dad and, and watching the original runs of McClintock and, you know, Chisholm wow. and uh, John Chisholm. John and all the, Chisholm. All those. Uh, it was really enjoyable. I mean, those are great memories for me. So. That's when I got into westerns, I guess, or doing that with your dad and all that, that kind of stuff. That and I grew up, you know, in West Texas. I mean, the culture. Uh, that's right. You know, I was born in Iran, Texas, for goodness' sake. Iran, you Texas, know? and uh, and uh, West Texas and the culture and all that kind of good stuff. But uh, um, you know, my great grandmother, uh, you know, was in the Oklahoma Territory. You know, before it was a state and all that kind of stuff. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm really 
your, your mom's going to cringe right now. I remember her coming in a cotton stoker wagon. <laughs> How many times has mom had to hear that? A hundred times. <laughs> She's like, and she goes, <laughs> and then finishes the sentence yeah, for you, right? She finishes it for me. She does. But that's the great, my great grandmother used to tell those stories. I mean, so that, you know, have those backgrounds yeah. for this. And I really, really love, I don't know, the romance of, which is not true, but the romance of the West and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, and that's what I mean. That's what's portrayed in novels and in, in TV shows and movies and everything. But this is this this even shows some romance of the of that time because even though it was hard and terrible, I mean, this is how people you know love to live is frontiering. Yeah, you know, paving new ways. You think about people like nobody's that. been. You think about people like that, and I've been. You know, I've worked in North Dakota and different places. And it blows me away that people can come to places like North Dakota with that kind of weather and even West Texas and Texas during that time when not only the weather, but Indians and you didn't have Lowe's and Home Depot right now. Right. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, because when they got there, like, go start chopping down That's the trees. Right. We need a cabin. We need a, need a cabin. <laughs> I was like, oh, we just got here. Come <laughs> yeah, on, right. man. But I mean, you know, the, the, the type of people that, uh, that really paved the way for us it amazes me when I think about that. And that's one of the other reasons I like to watch these these type movies. Yeah. So, as far as Lonesome Dove, do you remember the first time seeing it? Where yeah, you... it was on network TV. It was a miniseries. That's right. It was 1989, uh, I believe. Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's 19, uh, 1989. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, we watched it. Uh, I don't know. It was three. I don't know if it was consecutive nights or three different weekends or whatever it was but uh you know we watched uh we watched it well i did um <laughs> <laughs> wait which network is like abc or something I like no that? idea I okay know. you know one of the local or one of the is is back when you know they used to do roots and these mini series you know where they'd have several weeks of them or something like that and this came on the quintessential uh, western you know it was fantastic it was about the same time that that it mini series came out too with with tim curry everything yeah, it could really be really early 90s like 1991 or something yeah. like that so yeah i remember back then and as a movie as a movie lover uh or, or, or a novel lover and everything whenever books get especially if you have epic books and they get turned into movies i i always think that it's served much better by doing a mini series or a tv show yeah so you can you can spread it out you can really make it an epic yeah because when anybody tries to no matter what movie you're trying to make unless you're making a five-hour movie or something yeah. like that it's not going to transcribe you yeah. know it's you're going to have to cut some stuff and most books are that way because mm. they have all of that information and, and, and the story is told that way so when you start cutting stuff out it makes things worse. So you know, it, there's a couple of things there. Larry McMurtry did a great job. I'm sure he had a hand in screenplay and all that kind of stuff. But the, the book itself, uh, mag, well, probably magnificent. I've never read it truthfully, and I yeah. probably ought to. But uh, Louis Lamore is another great Western writer, probably the great Western writer of all time. Yeah. And they've made a lot of movies. I mean, hour and a half movies out of his. Tom Selleck played uh, cowboys in at least two or three of them. You know, um, so. And I like Tom Selleck as a cowboy too. He he does a great job. But uh, Lula Moore, that was your one of your granddad's your favorite authors, by the way. Oh, okay. Your English granddad. Oh wow. He loved Lula Moore. And uh, I didn't know that. Anyway, he would have loved this movie too. And we talk about that often. But yeah, there's some some great writers out there. But Larry McMurtry, you know, I don't remember if it's Larry McMurtry. Somebody wrote a couple of books like Texas was a 
is a novel. It was huge. Like uh, War and Peace yeah, or something. Yeah, it was one of those. And I, I don't know who did those, but those are the kind of books that, that really stretch out and, and, and identify the characters and talk about the uh, the life and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And then for them to have to be able to do that and bring it to the screen the way they did was incredible for yeah. this movie. It really was. <clears throat> well, it was interesting because uh, he wrote this like years and years before this got turned into a, a TV show. And uh, he, he wrote it as a uh, uh as he started writing it as a novel and then um he uh as soon as he, he couldn't quite get what he wanted down like it was called what was it called it was called like um Lar- something laredo streets of laredo or something like streets that. of laredo i think that sounds uh, that sounds about right but the title just wasn't right yeah. and he is the type of author that he's like i can't I can't continue a book or start a book unless I have a good title first. Wow. So he's one of these guys that, that doesn't wait for the title to like come to him right. as he's writing it. He needs to know what it's called to be able to get kind of focused to write it. Right. Which is funny because Lonesome Dove is the title of this this mini or mini series novel story and it, it's really not part of the story, you know. It's, yeah. it's what they're driving away from, and That's then right. you get to revisit a little at the end. But I mean, the whole thing's called Lonesome Dove, but they're there for like the first twenty minutes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and then the rest of the time they're they're not even there. They're all over the the place. But I mean, I I get that. But he had, he like put it away, and then after a couple of years, he had seen he saw a, a van. I think it was in. Uh, either San Antonio or Fort Worth, something like that. Oh, no, it was up in Dallas-Fort Worth area. But uh, it said um, Lonesome Dove Baptist Church or something like that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so that's where he got the title Lonesome that's Dove right. from. And he's like, then I just moved it about 600 miles south. <laughs> <laughs> you know, put it on the right on the border and everything. I mean, and we're right on the border. Yeah. I mean, literally, they you wake up and you look over at the river. You that's know, right. It's right there. But um, I just thought that was cool how uh, that the, the title finally came to him. And then... Um, he shopped around because he wanted it to be a miniseries, but all the networks were like, nope, 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 nobody was... Westerns at this time? Are you kidding right, me? Yeah, don't think so. But he was about to release the novel, and then as soon as he released it, he got like a Pulitzer Prize. It's a Pulitzer Prize winning uh, book, all this kind of stuff. We got real famous. Suddenly, all the networks called uh, him and was like, hey, we want to buy your book and uh, all this kind of stuff. So anyways, it got produced, but it was originally written... As having John Wayne as Woodrow Call. Wow. Um, James Stewart as J- Gus McRae. You're joking. I and, never knew that. And Henry Fonda as Jake Spoon. Oh, my goodness. So those were going to be the original players for it. It would have been a totally different movie. Completely different yeah, movie. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I believe Tommy Lee Jones plays Stoic a lot more yes. a lot more than John Wayne would have. That's right. John Wayne would have been a lot. You know, he was he's always a kind of a guy that's more about like one liners yeah. and you know, oh, yeah, yeah, you know. But yeah. whereas Call had to be the Stoic, silent one. That's right. For most of the time, kind of like not... some constrained anger in yeah. him. You know, if they'd had John Wayne and all these other, it would have been a your, your atypical uh, western. It would have been. Yeah, it was great Western. Let's move on and everything. But this thing has become an epic, um, must-see uh, part of the genre of, of Western movies now. You know, so I think that's what made it. Uh, again, if it had been John Wayne, it would just been in the repertoire of his. It would have been movies. John Wayne movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the the Tommy Lee Jones. I got to tell you this. It was uh, your mother's watched this with me on and off bits and pieces over the years, and uh, um, she told me. 
it, we were halfway into this, and she goes, who plays uh, Call? And this, I says, Tommy Lee Jones. And she goes, you're kidding me. <laughs> and that's like one of her favorite actors, yes. too. <laughs> and she did recognize him. because he had, too. Yeah, I know. He's great. But he lived in San Antonio, by the way, when we lived there. And he still has, he has a ranch there. Uh, and that's everything, right. That's so. right. But she said he had a fuller face and had the uh, beard and all that kind of stuff, and she just didn't recognize him. Not, you know, and, and let's face it, she wasn't into the movie like I was. Yeah. You know? So yeah. she's glancing at it and, you know, and, you know, <laughs> different, you know, things they say and different things like that. But uh, she didn't he, recognize he, it. He was probably a bit too young to have the white hair, True. too, because they, they had to do his hair white. I mean, Robert Duvall, when they did this, was 59. I know. And you, Tommy Lee Jones was 43. I don't know if I ever told you this. I think I did. We talked about uh, Robert Duvall. I think so. He's he's timeless. He doesn't age. And one of these things where he was he, he was born. It was a ben, Benjamin 65. Button type yeah. of thing. <laughs> when he was born, he looked like he was sixty five. He's going to slowly start to look like a young man now. Here, right. right. fifty eight when this movie. I'll be doing F- well. Fifty nine, and then Tommy Lee Jones. At least when this was released, he was fifty nine, and Tommy Lee Jones was forty three. So they obviously had wow. to do some hair coloring because yeah. I don't know, maybe. They're supposed to be about the same age, roughly. Yeah. And I think they said that he was playing somebody about a decade older than him. Yeah. They did um, a great job of it, though. Uh, I can't imagine anybody else, of course, after you know watching it 37 times, I can't imagine anybody else playing those parts, though. James Stewart as Gus would have been interesting, though. I think there would have been a bit too much comedy with him, though. Yeah, or a bit too laid back. You know, he's he's kind of a, one of those laid back type act, actors. Robert yeah, Duvall he's kind of got a stretched yeah, out draw. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll put a lasso around <laughs> the moon, Mary. I'll give you the moon. <laughs> give you the moon, Mary. <laughs> but uh, Robert Duvall just had a little more playfulness in him, you know, and and all that. And he had of. he had an edge of uh, an edge of toughness to yeah, him too, yeah, yeah, which yeah. I don't know if I could see with uh, with with with. You know, Jim, James Stewart, Jimmy yeah. Stewart, or whatever you want to say. But um, just to intro this real quick, this is Lonesome Dove. It was a mini series that was released in 1989 for four episodes. Um, <clears throat> it was produced by a bunch of different people. We'll go over the cast. Uh, it stars uh, Robert Duvall as Augustus Gus McRae, Tommy Lee Jones as Woodrow F. Call, Danny Glover as Joshua Dietz, Diane Lane, Diane Lane as Lorena Wood. Also stars uh, Robert Urich. Frederick Forrest, D.B. Sweeney, Ricky Schroeder, Angelica Houston, Chris Cooper, Timothy Scott, Glean Healy, Barry Corbin, man, yeah. William Sanderson, Barry Tubb. I mean, a lot of greats. Steve Buscemi is oh, in, yeah, this he's one. in this one. Yeah. I mean, you, I, I you won't recognize on. him. I'll tell you one that stars in this, and you, you may not recognize him. James McMurtry plays uh, Jimmy uh, Rainey in this. James is uh, is Larry McMurtry's son. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was okay. one of the Cowboys. Jimmy Rainey, okay. Not the one that got in the fight with Newt at the end? No, no, that's Jer- uh, Jay- Jeremy. I don't remember. But he's just one of the Cowboys. He didn't. He just had some cameo roles in there and just one of the Cowboys. So. Oh, okay. But that was Larry McMurtry's son. Gotcha. Yeah, and did he, well, I mean, and, and Larry McMurtry was pretty involved with the miniseries, yes. I'm assuming, as he well. Was. He too. was very involved. Um. You know, they, they, they switch roles, actually. Um, Duvall was originally set to play Call. See, I didn't know that either. But his wife had, had read the book, and she was a big fan of the book, and was like, if this ever gets made, and <clears throat> you get involved with it, you need to push to play for Gus. Yeah. And so because of that, he, 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 he read the book, and decided he needed to switch roles, oh. and uh, so he switched to Gus. So I couldn't imagine I Robert either. Duvall playing Call either. No. I mean, you need that that, you know, almost angry jackass of a guy mm-hmm. to play call which is what tommy lee jones like excels at absolutely absolutely and the you know the greatest quote of all that he he did out there in the whole movie was you know the 
uh, 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 oh, what was it? The uh, oh, Robert Duvall? Uh, no, no. Uh, oh, oh yeah, I, I have it in here. Um, he says uh, about a rude man. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hate rude behavior in a man. Won't tolerate it. That's after he beat the crap out of <laughs> that poker and just beat the crap out of that Confederate soldier. No kidding. Jeez. That was probably the greatest quote of all. It was. In the movie. And this had a couple different sequels. Oh. Yes, it did. But the the one, I guess the one that stands out most is Return to Lonesome Dove. All the others didn't have the words Lonesome Dove in it. That's right. Except for Return, but... Like Larry McMurtry, like distanced himself. He had yeah. nothing to do with that. But they still call had his name in there, yeah. which he was a little sour about yeah. and everything. But true. did Diane, you ever watch any of that? I did. Diane Lane was uh, played a school teacher, I think. Uh, I don't remember. I think I may have watched it once, and I was a little disappointed in it. But uh, uh, I remember. I think Diane Lane was in there this, <laughs> way before she did Superman. Um, the little cutie back then looks a little <laughs> different now. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. No, but she uh, she was in it, and I don't know who else was in it. But uh, no, there was somebody else that played Call. Yeah, that's oh, who what, was it? Yeah, I see the face, and you know me, I'm not good on names and stuff like that. Oh, I I read, I remember reading it, but yeah. I I I can't, I can't remember who it was that actually played him. And yeah. I, as soon as I, I see it, it's gonna, oh John Voight. Yeah, John I was Voight, like, that's gonna go. piss me off. Yeah, it, it, me too. <laughs> John Voight, and and he did okay uh, at it, as I recall, but it just wasn't you know the original yeah so do you know the story of the guys that this is based on what in in what way so this is based on like two actual real life guys gosh i didn't know that either see see what a popcorn eater i am right right (laughs) so and i can't remember the both their names but um charles goodnight is, oh, okay. is is a real guy and i guess there was a um, there's a trail it's good night loving true good night loving okay so the other guy loving yeah. is the gus character oh, okay. and the good night is the call character okay um <clears throat> so, that was that was a different uh trail by the way that was you know the uh the chisholm trail went from san antonio up to uh, uh kansas uh, for the stockers but the good night loving went through uh, New Mexico up into Colorado and all that kind of area up in there. That's interesting because yeah. all the filming locations for Lonesome Dove was in Texas and New Mexico. Even yeah. Montana scenes. Oh, really? It was in, um, let me see. Uh, I spent some time in New Mexico. I love that area of New Mexico. It's I knew gorgeous you, out there. I knew you grew up there and yeah. everything. Uh, Montana was Black Lake, New Mexico. Okay, I don't know that's, where that's at. That's the filming location. Um, the Alamo... San Antonio, so that's all Brackenridge. Brackettville. Brackettville, yeah, they yeah. have that 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 John set. Wayne. John Wayne. They built that for John Wayne for the Alamo. Yep, and the, uh, that was 1960. The yeah. Alamo. John Wayne's the Alamo, and they built it for him. But it's been used in a bunch of different other yeah. movies too. Yeah. Um, what was the one? I can't remember. But most of these are Texas. You know, Brackettville, uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico, Del Rio, Texas, Austin, Texas. There, you know, they filmed in a bunch of different. But it's uh, they never left the South. You right. know, there's no filming in. I don't know Montana. where they did like the uh, the you know Ogallala scenes <laughs> yeah. or anything like that. But I've been to Ogallala by the way. That's a real you? place. Yeah, that has to be New Mexico. No, it's Nebraska. No, but I, no, I mean oh. the, with the filming. Because oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just so flat and yeah. nothing. That's right. And everything, and you have a lot of places like that and you know, like clovis yeah. <laughs> clovis portalis area sorry for anybody who lives there i spent some time there in my childhood and all i remember is cow poop smell that's right <laughs> I'm, i i spent a decade there one year yep 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 oh gosh so 
But yeah, those so so uh, those were the different uh, filming locations. So that's pretty cool. Uh, but uh, Charles Knight, uh, Charles Goodnight, um, before the events of their cattle drive and everything. Um, so he led a rescue party, and uh, and saved a white woman that had been taken by a Comanche raiding party when she was just a girl. That sounds like another movie I've seen. Yep. So she had two sons and a daughter, and when they had brought uh, her back to her family, um, uh, you know, with the Indians, or she was married to the chief, she was the chief's wife, right? And um, she had uh, two sons and a daughter. The two sons, I think, was killed. I don't know if, if part of the rescue or if they were just killed, or if they had just died naturally. But uh, when they, uh, uh, her daughter died when she she brought was brought back to her family, so she didn't have any kids left. No, 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 that's right. The sons got left with the with the uh, natives. Okay. And um, so she had a daughter. She got brought back to her family, and her daughter died. And so she was so depressed because of it, she starved uh, starved herself to death. And the searchers was apparently loosely based on. Ah, I story. did not know that. Okay. So a cool little a cool little thing. I mean, you know, John Wayne could have ended up playing. <laughs> yeah. Could have ended up playing Call twice. Yeah. Basically, because I mean, in the searchers, I'm assuming he plays the Charles Goodnight character yeah. that leads that rescue party. I don't know what the. I've never watched the searchers. Yeah. What's, what's, what's the searchers about? Uh, basically, the same story. Yeah, pretty pretty the same story. I've uh, it's been years and years and years since I watched it, but yeah. Those are uh, that's 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 some good stuff, man. I'd never heard of that. Again, now you know, I'm the original popcorn the, the popcorn eater. eater. Yeah, no, uh, and you know when they were filming, you know Robert Duvall, I think because he was such a seasoned actor. I mean, he had done The Godfather. He was in The Godfather, yeah. and when they were on set, he called this movie. He goes, "Fellas, this is the, we're doing the Godfather of Western movies wow. right now." Or either, he either said the Godfather of Western movies or the Godfather of cowboy movies. Either way, it would have been right. No, what he said was, hello, girls. <laughs> this is the Godfather. <laughs> Seriously. Um, so do you, do, you, do you see any kind of symbolism with the, with the title, Lonesome Dove? Um, well, being a popcorn eater, probably not. Why? It's probably, I mean, because, I mean, the guy just got the name from a, a van, right? right? But Larry McMurtry, actually, in an interview, in an, in an interview, uh, he said that Newt is the lonesome dove uh, ah. because he's not acknowledged by his father, right. and uh, so you know he's he's an innocent, which you know the dove or yeah. whatever, and Simple he doesn't have a mom it. and dad or anything like that. He's just out there in the world. Um, are you surprised that he kind of stuck around as long as he did, not knowing anything about his family, or had such a such a dedication to Call and Gus? without having that information no i don't think so i think he uh it was a sign of the times where else was he gonna go number one but number two you know call and gus uh and some of the other guys were were more father figures to him so i mean you know it was like uh they were his fathers and you know he just didn't call them that or whatever so i, I just don't think he it, it struck him yeah. to do anything but stick around and, and hang with his quote dad you know quote unquote dad yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um you know, I, I kind of got like a, a bit of a Don Quixote and Sancho Panza really uh, vibe or Panza f- uh, vibe from from Gus and and Call because you know Don Quixote was the dreamer, yeah, like Gus, and Sancho Panza was the realist, like Call. So you know, it's yeah. just kind of one of those things. Like you know, I mean, that was written so long ago. I'm sure that that's. You know, the dichotomy of characters is used and repeated. In you different- know, it was kind of funny when I read it, when I watched it this last time. 
I really kind of paid attention knowing we were going to be talking about some nuances of it and that sort of thing. So what I did was really looked at it, and I noticed that uh, that both Cole and Gus, you didn't know that they were, I mean, best buds for life until, you know, a little ways into the movie. I mean, they almost seemed like they were forced together because Gus, you know, Gus never wanted to work and Call was always on his butt about it and all that kind of stuff. So weird how they'd put up with each other. It is, yeah. And, I mean, just sitting there, you know, kicking snakes off the porch and, you know, going you pigs. Kicking pigs. That's right. Because we don't rent pigs. Yeah. A little foreshadowing there with the kicking pigs. That's right. You know, that... Andrew has a little sign off, you know. You know, throw, throw me, me a bone. bone. That'd be mine. We don't rent pigs. <laughs> we don't rent pigs. It wouldn't be the Latin phrase. <laughs> oh yeah, maybe that. There. Maybe yeah. that. I meant to look that up. Did you look that I up? Sure did. Oh, I figured get into you that. did. <laughs> I figured you did. That's that's pretty cool. Well, to to kind of set it up, so Lonesome Dove is about uh, two ex um, Rangers. Uh, Texas Rangers, I'm, I'm guessing. Yes. Um, <clears throat> and everybody knows about Texas Rangers. Right. Surely. Well, hopefully. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, that's something. I don't that, know much about Texas well, Rangers. The, the state of Texas put those guys together very early in, you know, before 1836 when the, you know, Alamo and all that kind of, or actually after before 1836. Before the Mexican American War and everything. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. It was the, uh, the, the Texas Mexican War in 1836 when Texas oh, yeah. got their independence. After that, that was their really the their statewide. That's right. Their statewide police force were the, uh, the Rangers. And if you're in Texas, you know about the Rangers. You know, it's one of their deals is one riot, one Ranger. You know, and it takes one Ranger to take care of certain things and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And I think in that movie, they talk about that. Oh, wow. Uh, Gus is in there. It's, it's kind of like the prestige of the U.S. Marshals back in the day. Even more so. Things like that. Texas Rangers are like the, the cream of the crop, top of the heap. I mean, Chuck Norris was the Texas was right. Walker of the Texas Rangers. That's right. And he's considered the most badass man on the planet. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, the Rangers, are they hold the prestige here in Texas of being um, just way up on a the shelf there. Way up on a shelf. Especially back in the day, you know, I, they they redid Walker Texas Ranger, didn't they? Just recently, I think they did. Yeah, I can't remember who it was. It was somebody very famous that was playing them. Yeah, I, I just can't remember who it One was. One of these days, we'll have to go to Waco to the Texas Ranger Museum down there. I didn't know they had yeah. uh, uh, a museum down there. It's pretty cool. Um, so the two ex Texas Rangers who have uh, long since retired. Um, I don't know if they retired with any money. They retired or maybe even set up a place called Lonesome Dove. It seems like this town was set up by them because there was like maybe four buildings in the entire town. Yeah. Um, and that's not including their little their little ranch, which is, you know. Uh, broken down building and a barn caving in. You know? Yeah, maybe like, what, 4,000 square feet of that little <laughs> yeah, tiny ranch much. or whatever with the stables and everything. So they, they've retired down there. they got a few hands. Um, <clears throat> not really doing much. They uh, they have a uh, – it's like a cattle company, but they don't have any cattle or right. anything like that. They go back and forth between the Mexicans stealing them from the U.S. and bringing them across the border and them going to Mexico and stealing them and right. bringing them back. And, you know, there's even a joke throughout the movie that while they're going to steal yeah. the cattle and the horses from Mexico – uh, oh, what was his name? I can't remember. Floris, uh, their, uh, their rival there in yeah. Mexico. Floris, uh, uh, oh gosh, what was his name? Oh man, Floris was his first name. Was it? Yeah, I thought it was. I don't know. Uh, I can't remember what it was. But th- there was another um, type of uh, uh, kind of uh, you know, I guess probably another rancher that owned 
his own stuff in Mexico, but he was constantly getting his people to go and steal horses. So they were going back and forth and everything. And it's kind of weird for these ex marshals, you know, they they even make a joke about, you know, two ex marshals. Here we are, you know, and all this stolen head of cattle and, and it was Floris Pedro, by the way, Pedro. Okay. Floris Pedro. That's right. And, uh, and then he suddenly died, but they didn't say how he died. No, he just, he just died. (laughs) He just died. That's what Carl said. He just died. (laughs) I was like, all right, well, whatever. So basically, they're in a rut. I mean, Call is or uh, Gus is completely happy to yeah, to just to do just, anything to, to just nothing. chill. <laughs> you know, look, I'm retired. Lonesome Dove's great. This is a simple life. I don't care. Um, I want to spend the rest of my days drinking, getting pokes, and kicking pigs. That's right. That's all I want to do. Uh, Whereas Call, he needs an adventure. Hard, yeah, hard work defines him. That's right. And if he doesn't have hard work to do. He doesn't know what to do. That's right, and he would probably collapse with uh, on himself. That's right. Um, so they're 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 doing that. They don't have much to do. There's a couple people in this town, nothing much. Um, but then they get a visit by their friend Jake Spoon, who used to be a ranger with them. Right, um, Robert Duell. Uh, oh, I mean Jake uh, Spoon. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, what's uh, Robert? Eric. Robert. Yeah. Eric. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he, he, he kind of just mentions, hey, you know, there's a lot of land. A lot of people are going up to Montana. Um, you know, what we should do is go across the Mexican border, rustle up some cattle, get some horses, and drive them up to Montana and set up a ranch down there. You know, we'd be the first one to set up a, a cattle ranch in Montana. And, um, you know, just – and it almost seems like he was kind of like nonchalantly putting it out there, knowing that that's all I have to do. It'll, it'll That'll catch call, and he'll rope Gus into it, and it'll all be good. Like, he didn't put much work into no. like, convincing him. He told him that thing, and then he went and yeah. hung out with Lori and, yeah. you know, did stuff that all – kind of like Gus, like anything he could do would, but, you know, not have to work. Yeah, that's right. Um, but in that moment, I think right when he was telling them and they were listening – immediately call wanted to go oh yeah he he waited to talk to gus about it and kind of like you know uh maybe we should but i think immediately he wanted to go yeah, you know so. hard work is what defines him and he always has to be driving towards something right. or someone uh whereas gus enjoys having absolutely nothing to do but he did have call's number because at the end he said that taking his body to texas was his gift to call so he could go on another adventure another adventure at the, by the time he had met gus they they made it to montana yeah they got the you know they didn't make it with everybody but you know they they, they made it to montana they started to set up the ranch and and uh you know <laughs> gus is just like you know giving him this huge task but no and knowing that it would be a noy call but that he'd be okay with it and he would do it yeah yeah, secretly he'd be like yeah let's 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 go because i mean now i'm in montana i'm 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 getting a little stir crazy again and he had to stay there over the winter so yeah so yeah you know he definitely had call's number and i think you'd see him look over at call whenever jake was telling him what's what's what and he kind of like knowing like okay call's gonna automatically knowing that call's gonna want to go yeah you know and and he Gus had a, a, a famous thing he was talking about that because Gus was all about fun. I expect you've been setting up all night reading the good book. Well, it's hard to have fun in a place like this, but I do my best. Uh, biscuits are ready. We come to this place to make money. There wasn't nothing about fun in the deal. What are you talking about? You don't even like money. You like money even less than you like fun. That's possible. 
<laughs> I love that line. Because, and, and what I like about that line is that Gus knows Call so well. Right. And that he he cuts straight to the the meat of it, you know, and and he he's got like I said he's got Call's number, and you know obviously Call has his number, you know they 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 both know each other, but for some reason Gus still kind of comes out as the more wiser yeah. seasoned person that Call you know is like you're right, but I'm still not going to listen to yeah. you. It's um, a strange relationship between the two. It really it's is. very very weird because. The type of personalities they were, typically they wouldn't want to be around each other. Yeah. yeah. Because this guy's about fun. Like, look, enjoy the little things in yeah. life. That's what he tells Lori later, is is finding the, all the little things to enjoy in yeah. life. You know, life in San Francisco is going to be the same as life here. Yeah. You know, it's just about where you're at and enjoying the little things yeah. and everything. Whereas you have call, <laughs> you know, just say, like, are you actually going to do any work today? But it's funny because like when Jake doesn't do any work, they give him so much more yeah. crap than when Gus doesn't do yeah. any work. I think it's just that like, you know, he's he calls like, yeah, that's just who Gus is. He's never going to yeah. change. And, you know, but he did his he did his I part. Think, I think it was goes back to Ranger and yeah. because they were both captains. And uh, so I think it goes back to Ranger and Gus was serious about taking care of his Ranger and as was uh, in different ways. Yeah. But they were both serious about it. And I think that uh, that uh, Call knew what Gus was really like underneath. He's going to take care of business when business needs to be taken care of. You know. Yeah. And like like they, they both retired and Call's like, OK, well, he deserves to retire how he wants to. He did his hard work and everything. And Call knows very well that he doesn't have to be doing what he's doing. Yeah. But just like you, he's going to do it anyway. It's because he's got to keep working, you know. And that's why that's why he the, this Call guy reminds me of you so much no. is because it's always like it's always like well I got to be working I got to be doing something that's I can't true. I can't I can't sit with a whiskey on a porch I can do that maybe at the end of the day that's after right. long a long day's work right. I don't even have pigs to kick so. <laughs> <laughs> kicking the pigs and stuff and I like how Call uh, one of the good lines here at the beginning you know Call says Gus would argue uh, with a possum. But Gus was bringing up good points, yeah. like like, hey, you know, we're going over to Mexico. Why are you know this is dangerous? Blah blah blah. And he was just pointing out the dangers, and all Call can say is, oh, you'd argue with a possum, <laughs> you know. And it's like it's funny, but it's like it shows that Call is it doesn't care about the danger of it. It, it he's he's one track mind, and he's focused on we got to get to Montana and we got to do whatever it takes to get on this adventure. Yeah. Right. So <clears throat> the fact that he's making good arguments about the danger of what they're about to do and everything, usually you'd be like, yeah, well, let's just be careful or whatever. But he's just like, he has to come back at him. Like, uh, you know, like it's your problem. And it's, yeah. it's just, it's just Those, an interesting uh, mindset as, uh, for as, call. As he would say, God would grow. You just don't ever get the point. Do it ain't dying. I'm talking about it's living. That's that's one of those great lines. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> let me see where it is. Uh, da, 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 have it. There's a few good lines, you know. Uh, I mean, I get them on Facebook every once in a while. You know, somebody will post up a, a lonesome dove quote or something like that, and brings me back to. The I've seen those because I'm on I'm on a Tombstone oh, deal, yeah, yeah. and so they post Tombstone and yeah. lonesome dove stuff, but. Like, uh, I hate rude behavior, yeah. man. I won't tolerate it. It ain't dying. I'm talking about it's living. That's right. Um, and then uh, when <laughs> when they lose their first cook and they got another <laughs> one, uh, um, <laughs> the 
the dudes at the the Puck po Campo. He says, "Just one minute, I'd be ready to go with you." Well, hang on there a minute. You ain't gonna get off down the trail a mile or two and go to missing your wife or something like our last cook done, are you? My wife is in hell where I sent her. She could make good biscuits, but her behavior was terrible. I think this is our man. But her behavior was terrible. Because <laughs> he killed her. That's right. I sent her to hell. Where I she sent her to hell. And he, he's like, what? And he goes, she made good biscuits, but her behavior was terrible. And, and and Gus just starts laughing. He's like, I think this is our man. That's right. After he fed him grasshoppers. Exactly. And then they hired him. And, uh, and I can't remember what it was Gus said. What I like about the man, he's a philosopher. He calls like, I hired him to give you somebody to talk to. That'll free the rest of us up, mate. We'll get a little work done. Talk philosophy. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Because he said he's a philosopher. That's what yeah, I like. That's and Charles right. like, but that, and then that was before the, the really cool scene where they go into the bar and <laughs> uh, they got the rude, rude bartender or lazy bartender or whatever. You know, nowadays it would be calling Gus who would be in the wrong and everything. But back then, respect and being respectful was almost like a law that's right to where like if you are not respectful to someone who deserves respect whoever that may be you know they beat the guy and they're not going to get any any trouble for it and that's everything. right well that was a rude bartender that's right you know and that, 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 that whole i don't know it's with our laws and and society the way we have it today that whole deal is weird to me it, well that was I, I love the whole scene there he talks about to that bartender he says besides a whiskey I think we'll require a little respect. Yep. And he puts a gun button and pushes his and he says, if you'll turn around, you'll see what we used to look like when we were younger and people around here wanted to make us senators. Oh, yeah. What we didn't do is uh, back then is uh, put up a dawdling service. You can see we still don't. And then later on, as they're, uh, you know, riding away, Carl says, man, they, they might have thrown you in jail. And he says, well, I don't see what the big crime was whacking a surly bartender. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the, like the line that I was talking about. Yeah. I don't see what the big deal is whacking a. It's like nowadays, yeah, you might have some jail time that's for right. that, you know, for assault or whatever. I love that whacking a surly bartender. I like a shot of whiskey, and so would my companion. It ain't too much trouble. You got mud in your ears or what? Rye, will it be, old timer? Rye will do, provided it gets here quick. Darn cowboys ought to broom yourselves off before you walk in here. Now, besides the whiskey, I think we'll require a little respect. I'm Captain Augustus McCray. This is Captain Woodrow F. Call. Now, if you care to turn around, you can see how we looked when we was younger and the people around here wanted to make us senators. Now, the thing we didn't put up with then was dawdling service. And as you can see, we still don't put up with it. Yeah, but I mean, you know, that, that's that's how the the West and the frontier yeah. and all that kind of stuff was. There was, you know, when you talk about lawlessness, I mean, it was in places like that. Yeah. You know, it didn't have to just be a place that was just full of criminals. It could be in a normal town, a normal city. Um, but you just you you have you don't have the laws that we do nowadays where right. you, know, you know one little thing you know where right. you know back then it was it, you know i mean you have wyatt wyatt Earp. he went on his vendetta ride i mean yeah. those were all murders yeah absolutely. you know that was all retribution murders right you know it wasn't law sanctioned or anything like that but 
nobody did anything. You know, oh, yeah. there was warrants out for his arrest. Yeah. They never got served or anything. Because right. then he went and kicked off into uh, over to California yeah. with uh, Marcus, whatever her name was. Yeah. What do you think about back then? You've got maybe one sheriff in town and maybe a deputy or something like that. And That's you've got it. a little bit more to, to worry about than a drunk cowboy or somebody smacking a surly bartender or something like that. You know, I mean you got desperados and different stuff like that need to be you know taken care of and all that so i mean yeah it was a different time for sure yeah so jake jake tells him about this opportunity to drive cattle north and of course calls like look you know oh good here's an adventure nobody wants us anymore because we're old broken down ex not quite broken down but we're old ex you know rangers and everything don't have much in us but look this is a purpose for us this is something that we can do we can make money you know not that he cares about money but i mean we can it was an adventure for something him, yeah. i think you know because i remember him standing at the corral after he got off at uh, the hell bitch you know after he'd been breaking her <clears throat> and uh he's just sitting there at the fence with gus and says gus why not why not go up to montana yeah you know and yeah and all that and that was that's and you knew it was coming yep because I got Woodrow. Yeah, that, that, I, was, I, I noticed that the most oft-repeated line in that movie was "I got Woodrow." That's right. Or I swear. Go. I mean, like pretty much almost every exclamation that Robert Duvall is given is "I got." That's right. <laughs> it's just that same thing. But um, so, anyways, they they got a couple people around the town, get them to start rustling up cattle. There is a uh, uh, in the in the real sense rustling cattle rustling cattle. Now this is actually real cattle rustling because they're going across the river stealing it, bringing it back. Horses. Now they there. stole the horses. Yeah, from Pedro but, Flores. But they didn't steal the cattle, did they, or did no, they just get those out from the wild? I think they just got those out from the wild because that's what happened back in. I'll tell you a quick story. Back in the way the whole cattle industry came about. Did you know the big cattle place initially was was Florida? I did not know that. Yeah, um, uh, was it? Uh, I don't know. One of the Spanish. All all the cattle we've got in this country. Came I was from thought Spain. it was from Mexico up into Fort Worth. Uh, no, it Spain and uh, England brought up all our cattle in, but initially Spain, uh, Ponce de Leon, I think it brought them into uh, Florida back in the day. Oh, okay, and uh, so uh, Florida was a huge cattle state for for a long period of time, and then I don't know if you know this or not, but that cattle industry in florida was displaced by i don't know old people coming down from new york settling there and and a bunch of drunk uh, uh college people no, i'm just kidding <laughs> well, okay i was gonna say yeah i did not know that that's what florida is now right sounds, yeah i was gonna say that sounds very modern <laughs> how long ago was so that that's what happened you know <laughs> drunken college kids on the beach we've got to move this cattle industry to texas no yeah, they, uh, this is not needs to be a spring break destination that's right that's right well, back in, and then, of course, Spain brought a bunch of them to Mexico, and uh, they were trying to, 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 to move them up into Texas and make some money, but nobody was into it. Did you know the country was into pork before they were into beef? Mostly, everybody ate pork. They didn't eat beef back That's in the weird. day, before the Civil War and all that. And then, anyway, uh, so they let the, uh, the uh, Me- Mexicans went back into Mexico, and in 1836, Texas became its own. And so they left, and then during the Civil War, um, everybody was too busy fighting and all that kind of stuff, and then the the cows just exponentially increased down there. So after the Civil War, it's like 1866 through 1871 was when like the Chisholm Trail and all that. They started buying these things up, and and you could buy them in you know cattle in Texas for like four dollars a head, and take them up to Abilene, Kansas, and you can get forty dollars a head for them up there. So oh, that's wow. what made the cattle drives. But that's where we never had, you know cows in this country they all came from spain and later on from england 
and that's how i did not know that that's how that all happened i did not know that uh did they did they have a lot of money when they started out Uh, did they make it because it seemed like they were able to like buy stuff along the way and woodrow and call or i mean uh call and gus always had money yeah gus always seemed to have money you know for for whatever (laughs) for whatever whatever, yeah yeah whatever he was ready for but i i don't know i don't you know i think um I remember that the, I mean, after the Civil War, the the folks got a pension of sorts, and maybe it was the same thing with the Ranger. They got a small pension, and maybe they'd saved up some money or something. I'm not real sure. But uh, having said all that, they always seem to have money. But again, it, it, you know, 1866 to 1871 was a big cattle drive, and then it kind of flaked off uh, because they were doing cattle ever, uh, elsewhere. But then about 1880 is when it kicked off again, and I think this is about the time that this – 1880 or, or later was mm-hmm. about the time this took place and all <clears throat> but again when you can buy you know cattle in in texas for four dollars a head and, and and take them up and sell them you know in, in abilene kansas salina by the way had a big oh, okay. uh, had a big uh uh rail yard there too but uh um if you can take them up for selling 40 dollars a head that's a heck of a profit right there yeah know? and I, I imagine that they're probably like you know they got enough to where they could they could trade and yeah. buy and sell as they go along for food yeah. clothes whatever they need well you know he sold when he first got up there he sold a bunch off to the uh the army and all that kind of stuff but uh you know when you're uh when you're paying these guys you know the 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 driver the main uh uh, uh trail boss you're making a hundred dollars a month all these other there's about you know a dozen cowboys right you know taking two thousand head up kansas that's about what a trail drive was you think about the uh, finances of that. You pay four dollars a head, and you get forty dollars a head. And you're paying, you know, a couple hundred dollars in labor. And that's all you're yeah. talking about, you know. So you make some pretty good profit there. Yeah. So I don't know how they uh, ended up uh, making all the money they did when they did, but uh, or along the along the way, unless they had some sort of pension or savings or something. <laughs> but who knows? <laughs> that's some kind of pension. <clears throat> who knows? Just gonna draw it off my Wells Fargo. <laughs> that was the thing back then. That's Wells, Fargo. Wells Fargo. You bet. So. So, uh, so, so they agree to go on this this trip. They go and uh, steal a bunch of horses over the border, and then uh, the the Mexican dude he was stealing a bunch of cattle. So they went and and horses. So he went ahead and grabbed. They went ahead and grabbed that theirs too. That's right. <laughs> They're like, oh, we'll just run straight into them. That's right. And turn their cattle back and or turn their horses back, and we'll we'll be good to go. So stole all those. Spent. I'm assuming what's a a month or two gathering cattle and all this kind of stuff you know movies like this that cut so quick it's really hard to get a sense of time yeah you know you get a sense of time like after the baby was born and they come back afterwards the baby's grown up a bit and all this kind of stuff but um so anyways they 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 start their ride um there is a local prostitute in the in the in the town of lonesome dove uh called Lori or lorena prostitute yeah she's a prostitute right yeah what all through the movie they, they, they call them whores oh yeah yeah you know? yeah if you want to get all like you know uh uh, uh you know and then the justified does that too you know the whorehouse and different yeah. things they gotta go yeah, get but, a poke and and they always talk about that in in the sense of uh it's it's a natural way of talking about you know that's sam over there that's bob over there whatever uh she's just a whore yeah you know yeah it, and it is maybe not really derogatory it kind of no. is derogatory but not in their minds necessarily no that's no. just that was the name of it no yeah yeah and like you know you know you get you hear it all the time oh it was a different time or whatever but i mean it really it, it, i mean nowadays we cringe at that word because yeah. it's a Absolutely. terrible terrible word 
and everything. But I mean, it's it was just the equivalent back then saying, "Oh, she's a prostitute." Yeah. You know, it's just a matter of fact right. type of statement. You you and Andrew have said this before. Can you imagine making this movie today? I don't think it happened. Not not using the same dialogue. That being said, over the last ten years, uh, we've had Game of Thrones and. It was, I mean, they had tons of that stuff in yeah. there, uh, you know, whores and all this kind of, I mean, that, it's just, it's one of these. So I, I think it's, but I mean, either they portrayed it as something that's, you know, just, it, it was kind of commonplace like yeah. this too. But the Game I mean, of Thrones still, is almost a fantasy type It is a movie. fantasy, yeah. This is supposed to be real and we can't have people around the world that are listening to us right now thinking that we use the term no, whore no, that no, much no, in the no. West. Come on. No, no, no. That's it's, it's the equivalent and that it's not saying that it's, it's, it's fine. It's okay for us to say it because um, it was just that time back then, you know, we realized that it's very, you know, it's very derogatory and everything, no matter what time period it's in and all that kind of stuff. Had we lived in those times, it probably wouldn't really affect us because yeah. it's just something you heard all the time back That's then. Right. Um, so um, she is played by Diane Lane. And of course, you know, yes, everybody's in was. love with her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She, and she was she was she must have been like what 20 she must when been. when she did this or something Man, she was really. which 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 ups the creep factor for me oh. <laughs> <For Gus. laughs> I, I mean pretty much for all of these guys because they all were at least like 10 years older than her or something at this time yeah. but um it just it's it's i don't know it's it's especially with the gust thing that, that that's just something that that's weird for me yeah that's that's way too creepy for me now i know it was just like well for him he he did just see her as a prostitute. Never he would never see anybody like he saw Clara, right. um, for some reason. But um, but you know she he did kind of fall for her a bit. You know he he, did. he, he started to have um, you know love her, but maybe not like not for the the sex thing just yeah. because she was a nice girl yeah. and just because she was sweet and well she was in love had with a him rough life yeah she was in love with him big time but i think for him it turned into more of a uh, protector uh almost in a grin let's go back to creepy but almost a father figure yeah. at some point you know? and and she he, she wasn't in love with him yet right, right now she did eventually fall for him now and out of all this town she probably respected him the most right. because he was he wasn't a scoundrel and everything he was just kind of like this fun loving guy yes he used her services frequently and everything but he wasn't he wasn't just there just to like do that and because i mean oftentimes these people would just be slapped around yeah uh by men because it's like hey look i'm paying you to do a job and everything do what you you know do what you're paid for and you know i get to treat you how i want to and so but gus wasn't like that so it was a bit different and then jake spoon came to town and he's like kind of a uh, a handsome guy that's funny and charming and everything but he's a lazy ass yeah because <laughs> you know although saying he's lazy but gus is the one yeah. leaving for the day to go hang out with laurie and everything right. but so anyways he you could tell you get the sense that jake is kind of like a, a shady dude like he he i don't yeah. know out of all the stuff that he pulled in this movie i don't know how he ever became friends with those two i know they serve together but I'm sure they served with a lot of people. Now, how do you get to be friends with somebody like that who is so diametrically opposed to as as different as Call and and Gus are? Their morals and character are the same. I think there's uh, there was back then, and you, you've seen some of these other movies, uh, uh, Wyatt Earp and stuff like that, where a lawman. White Earp was that way. I mean, he used to be a scoundrel, and then he became a lawman, and then he became a scoundrel type. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I think it's the same way. I mean, I think most of the lawmen, uh, they were they were probably 
part scoundrel or former scoundrels or you know whatever you want to say. They used to cheat their way into like That's, land and money out of through through cheap deals and you stuff bet. like that. So they found a, a good maybe when they got older, whatever they found a good gig getting paid to sit in an office drinking coffee and throwing a, a drunken jail every now and again. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but uh, and I think it's the same way with these guys. You know, the Rangers were paying decent money for you to go out on an adventure and hunt Indians and all this kind of stuff. So. People fell into that, and they were did what they were told for a period of time. Then once they got out of that, they kind of reverted back to maybe their, you know, what they were really like, perhaps or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's where Jake came from. So I mean, you know, we, we we get we get Jake, and we we see that he's not really a stand up guy. He's uh, he comes in kind of like a friendly guy, charming, and all that kind of stuff. But almost immediately, as in the next day or two, the cracks start to show. Yeah, and you know, they character. always knew what he was like, but they also had this camaraderie with him from the Indian Wars and all that kind of stuff. But they, you, you could always tell the way they talked about him. And they never thought that he would cross a certain line. Yeah. yeah. So they, they knew that he could be lazy. They knew that he could be kind of a, a scoundrel and everything, but I don't think that they'd ever thought he'd cross the line like he eventually does yeah, in this absolutely. movie. Um, but anyway, so he sweeps Lori off his feet, and it feels like he decides to take her, not really because he wants to, but just so that somebody Gus else can't. can have him. Yeah. And, and mainly Gus, yeah. because, you know, he knew that she was a prostitute, yeah. and but he, it didn't well, when, really bug him unless Gus was involved. Well, and because, he said that, too, when Gus came in to cut the cards with her and all that kind of stuff. He cut the cards. Cut the cards. I'm just starting to say, hey, babe, want to cut the cards? <laughs> I'm going to start saying it. Okay. <laughs> Just don't use the other term. <laughs> You'd be in big trouble then. But, oh, geez, yeah. Uh, no, he, he would go in there, you know, and that's one thing he would say. Uh, you see, right after we got to cut the cards and everything, if Lori, she accused him of cheating, he says, well, I won't say I did and I won't say I didn't. But I will say that a man who wouldn't cheat for a poke <laughs> don't get won't, don't want one bad enough. <laughs> yeah. And that's what Jake was after. I mean, he knew that Lori, you know, that Gus could, could – you know cheat his he way he's a ladies it. man that's right yeah and and he had done it in the past they had uh, referenced right. how he had done it every girl i ever that's took a right. liking to or whatever however he said it you had to go after and everything yeah. so i think he took Lori out of desperation to prove that he was just as good as gus or yeah. whatever well the 50 dollars she had for the horse he told her if it had been anybody but but gus he'd have killed her yeah <laughs> yeah because he had this grand plan yeah. And right when they were, I mean, he even did hard work for it. Yeah. And then they were about ready to go get some cattle and all this kind of stuff. And he goes, ah, I changed my mind. I'm going to go do this. We're going to go and do off our own. We'll, we'll ride up at the trail for you, but we're not going to do that anymore. Right. So for some reason, he brings this grand plan, abandons it halfway through. Not not because of Lori, because it's not like he really likes her that no, much. No. He does. He, he thinks she's pretty and everything, but... He, he can see that she's enamored with Gus. He's jealous about that. And so and Jake's just, a jackass anyway. Exactly. So. <laughs> so he just takes her to take her and everything. Right. So not not against her will, you know. She thinks that he's charming and everything. Um, <clears throat> maybe even sees a bit of Gus in that because he's like a charming rogue type of guy. But, you know, not as much as Gus. But So anyways, he takes her and um, and we're off on the adventure. And yeah. um and uh, we're we're going through rough territory, and we we we've heard mention of this person named Blue Duck, yeah. And uh, we even encounter him early in the movie, 
and they kind of go back and forth trying to chase him. He kidnaps Lori, and and uh, because Jake is off, every, every time they stop near San Antonio, he goes to San Antonio to gamble, and then they stop near Austin. He goes to Austin to gamble and everything. So she's always left in a tent by herself, and basically the people on the cattle drive who are kind of traveling at the, in the same time and area as, as those two, they kind of, like, whenever he's gone, it's like, I'll oh, send somebody over to watch her because mm. we don't know who's here. Um I, I want to put a stop right here because I want to talk about this July Johnson story. Oh, okay. Uh, because as we're introduced to all these characters, we do cut to another thing that's going on. Jake Spoon, the reason that he's in Lonesome Dove is because he killed uh, the mayor of, uh, of a town in Arkansas. And uh, I think the sheriff was the mayor's in-law somehow yeah, yeah brother-in-law yeah some some type of in-law and uh so you know the sheriff is eventually bullied into going to find jake spoon yeah. by peach by peach oh man <laughs> she and then she breaks that chicken's neck that's crazy but uh so i and barry corbin i don't know peach <laughs> i love okay as much as i don't like this story because i want to say outright i'm not a fan of the july johnson storyline and I, I waited because I, I wrote, I'm not a fan of this July Johnson storyline. And I, I remember seeing the movie, but maybe I wasn't paying as much attention as I was this time. But um, I, I waited and waited and waited. And the story adds nothing or yeah. takes away nothing to the main story. I think I agree with you there. I think you have to, uh, it, maybe it's a way that Larry McMurtry was trying to take away from the, the attention of what's going on in the story or maybe even leave you hanging on the edge of your seat and then go talk about something else so yeah. you keep reading to find out what's going on but i think it's, it's a, a useless periphery it is it really because i'm like okay <clears throat> maybe there's something for the wife though so the wife that leaves uh july johnson nothing she she doesn't affect the story he's running after her she does she inter interacts with you know with clara you know a couple people throughout the story but she ends up dying yeah no big deal the only good thing about her was was uh steve shimmy that's that's where you get to see him yeah because i mean he's <laughs> a great creepy oh weirdo yeah. yeah and everything and you know this is one of his earlier roles but yeah. it's <clears throat> there wasn't anything to that storyline july johnson i'm like okay well maybe he helps the main people he interacts with their storyline but honestly, when they bring him his storyline into the main storyline, it's um, it's 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 played off as they scared away the Indians that had um, the natives that had uh, Gus cornered behind his his dead horse, you know, and they had scared him off, and that's how it was explained. It was like okay, so that's like the the only really thing they contributed was scaring off those Indians. But in my mind, when I was watching the movie, because you didn't see those people yet. You just saw the Indians riding off at right. sunset. So, in uh, my mind, he had already killed like four of them, right. four or five of them by himself. And so, I don't think they wanted to mess with him at nighttime. They didn't want some old sharpshooter dude creeping around. Yeah. They didn't know where he was or whatever. So, I think that as soon as sunset hit, I was like, okay, well, they just took off. And I think it could have been explained that way. And then it was only a couple minutes later, you find he's walking with his saddle and he meets up with July Johnson and Barry Corbin and the girl and everything like um, oh, okay. They scared him off, but that was only thing they contributed. Yeah, and, well, and to be victims. Yeah, well, that and later on when they rode into Blue Ducks camp, and then the the 
Barry Corbin and the girl and the guy, and they got got killed. That's know? what I'm saying, and to be victims. Yeah, and they were it. That was it. You know, and I feel like the only reason for this entire huge storyline, the only impact it had was I was pretty shocked that you come back and see that Blue Duck had killed the son, little girl, and the Barry Corbin character, because I had forgotten that they got killed. Yeah. Um, so that was a good emotional impact to show – this dude is a bad dude. He kills. He kills children. He's yeah. killing these people. That now you got the the writers investing you in and everything. So okay, well that might that make makes sense. Maybe they were just trying to uh, to flesh out Blue Duck a little yeah, bit. Yeah, giving more emotional weight to the story and more of a um, danger to yeah. Blue Duck because really he, I mean he and he walked down to the stream on his horse, but he didn't really. You haven't really seen him do much. Right. So. You know, that could have been it, but I just felt like, you know, the next time I watch this, because I plan on watching it regularly now, but uh, I'm going to fast forward past those scenes because, and especially the scenes with the wife that have nothing where she, uh, she's looking for Bo Deep or whatever his name is. D-Boot. D-Boot. That's it, Bo Deep. (laughs) D-Boot. That's 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 the guy in the 50s that was a singer, I think. (laughs) Deep Bo Diddley. Something. <laughs> something. Yeah, but it, look for my husband, Bo Diddley. Bo Diddley. <laughs> Bo Diddley. He's related to Bo Deep. <laughs> D boot. But yeah, that that I, I don't mind not talking about that for yeah. the rest of this episode because I, I, I didn't feel like it did anything. The whole storyline with Barry now <clears throat> Barry Corbin makes me laugh. Yeah. And, you know, I know him from other stuff. There's a couple T V shows where uh yeah. that came out in the early two thousands, so he's much older and yeah. everything that yeah, he played the rich guy in uh in uh the uh, alaska movie uh oh yeah northern, northern exposure. exposure yeah yeah he was in that and then uh, he was in one tree hill that me and Andrew used to watch uh, and a couple other things he was a basketball coach and yeah. that and everything but he's always a great actor he love really barry is. corbin and everything so he, and he's so different in this than he is in some of his other stuff in this i mean again the the uh the, the folks who did the uh wardrobe and stuff like that man he had his torn old jacket on and he was perfect that. yeah because he was he was the somebody that that latched on to july johnson yeah that that was probably just a goofball couldn't really function much kind yeah. of a dim way uh, love to eat possum apparently <laughs> yeah possum possum <laughs> i'll catch some possum for you later you ever eaten frogs <laughs> and whenever they were making is that possum <laughs> i never eat frogs before <laughs> their legs jump out of the pan yeah, well, that do don't make not. no sense <laughs> but i love barry corbin yeah, because too. he's so goofy and affable and just but in other roles he's normally so serious and severe yeah. and everything and he's this strong uh, figurehead yeah. for other characters and in this movie he's just so it just kind of like well don't run off I'm gonna, you know oh, yes sir yes, yes sir. sir but i was yes sir yes sir <laughs> get off your horse yes sir but you know so so yeah that whole storyline i i don't get it i i think yeah. that the only reason that it was there is to one break the tension of the main story and two, give Blue Duck some weight, uh, give him some people. Because, I mean, you hear about... Define him a bit, yeah. Yeah, and you hear about other killings that he did. Yeah. So let's give him, let's develop some characters, give him some development. So that you can start loving him. Exactly, you're invested in him, yeah. and now let's kill him off and give Blue Duck that weight. Yeah. So, um, and then at the end of part one, obviously, they're crossing the river, and we have our first casualty, which is Sean. At the end of part one, he falls into a group of water moccasins, and I don't know how he fell into that because I saw him swimming around, and I think they like latched onto a leg. Man, how 
how fast would you like giddy up that horse to, yeah. to get out of there? Well, he, if you remember, he was uh, scared to, to cross the river anyway. He oh, had I premonition didn't... or something. Oh, okay. I, yeah. I missed, missed that one yeah. then. Yeah. And then, and then uh, you know, later on they were talking about he shouldn't, uh, the storm the night before had stirred them all up. And, and Gus was saying, I've crossed this river a hundred times, never seen more than one or two snakes, and yada, yada. But Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then uh, Dietz felt, felt really bad yeah, about that because right. he's like, if I'd have known, we would have picked oh. up. Oh, I, Dietz. Danny Glover. I love Danny Glover. I do, too. And anything I see him in. I think he was even in the Saw movies, but he's just, like, great in everything he's that he fantastic. does. And it's you know, quite I'm, a I'll, difference between him and, and uh, when he played, uh, what's his Murtaugh. name? Murtaugh. Murtaugh, yeah. I'll, and I was about to say, I'll always see him as Roger Murtaugh before yeah. anybody else. Like, I'll say Murtaugh, and I'll be like, okay, let, let, let's see how different from Murtaugh he is yeah. in this role or whatever. Oh, I you just wouldn't compare even everything him. to Murtaugh. Uh, and uh, when, he, when he did get killed... Uh, oh, uh, uh, Call was really, really upset about it, you know. Yeah, and he was he was one of the rare, maybe even only truly good people in this story. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, because he never he uh, never Ricky Schroeder and all that kind of stuff. But I know. Yeah, what yeah, and he, like he never got angry. Right. He never got. I mean, he was just a very. Uh, it seemed like just a very humble. Um, does his job kind of guy happy to be there yeah. type of guy you know he's obviously very talented he learned how to track yeah. and all that when he was doing his uh service in the in the confederacy and all that kind of stuff uh he was proud of his service so he kept that hat he yeah. always wore his his I, service i doubt hat. he was in the confederacy yeah i think or that no, not the confederacy, yeah the, the union union because yeah, yeah, it was a, a blue cap but yeah. right right so yeah fighting and fighting for the slaves yeah so yeah you know he he, he just had that um he, he, I think he was so proud. First of all, he was proud of his service and, and of his freedom and stuff, so that's why I always wore the hat. But then he was just happy to be a person that worked for fair wages. Yeah, you and know? he worked for uh, Call and Gus and the Rangers, apparently, too. Okay, yeah, that's right. They said on the uh, tombstone he made for him 30 years, you know, never shirked uh, responsibility and all that kind of stuff. So It says Josh Dietz served with me 30 years fought in 21 engagements with the Comanche and the Kiowa. Cheerful in all weathers. Never shirked a task. Splendid behavior. That's what it says. And it was so call. Yeah. The way that that was carved out because he had never carved anything That's on right. it. That's right, yeah. That's what Gus had said and everything, but it made the others weep and everything, but it was just so like, there was no poetry behind right. it. It was straightforward. Yeah. You know, this is, this is, you know, usually you have epitaphs or, yeah. or whatever that, that have some kind of a poetry behind it, some right. kind of euphemism, you know, analogy or whatever. But, you know, this was straightforward, you know, serve with me, you know, against the, the Comanches and the Kiowa and, uh, you know, never shirked responsibility. Yeah great behavior great or whatever behavior, it is yeah. you know it was just like but it made the others weep because yeah. it was like you know yeah that's that's an accurate statement because um you know he was just always there for us i yeah. guess it was um, a great great role he played in it so much different from Murtaugh and any of the other stuff he did you know it was just really really good yeah and then so about halfway through the movie um uh, while while we're while we're going along with the story, uh, uh, Jake and uh, Gus have a conversation about Clara, 
And Jake mentions that he saw her in Ogallala, that she was married to uh, Bob, the the horse horse raiser or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, and uh, so the only reason that Gus is on this trip is to stop yep. by Ogallala. Yeah, I meant to mention that earlier. That's the only reason he had went on the trip. Yeah, he didn't want he didn't want to go on the trip. He was happy kicking pigs on his porch, <laughs> yeah. and drinking whiskey, and <clears throat> having Lorena there and everything like that. But once he sees Jake, I'm, I think it reminds him of his past because both him and Jake tried to court her uh-huh. and everything, um, even though Gus was the one that she truly loved. Um, and so he goes, you know, that's the life that I should have had. And so maybe I can go find a little piece of that before I die. Yeah. Uh, you know, he even told her, I was hoping to come find you a widow. And so I think, you know... <clears throat> It, it you know obviously he loved her and everything like that but i guess i'm so old fashioned or whatever from from you guys that you know just like it, it it's shady to me that he went up knowing that she was married yeah and all that kind of stuff and and you know purposely saying you know oh let's see if i can go break up this marriage. Yeah. i'll go see if she's single and if not maybe i can break up this yeah. marriage or yeah. something you know that's that's a little rough but he'd asked her to marry him 30 times before, and she knew what he was like. So. And she, he got a look of relief over wash over his face every time she said no. Yeah, like exactly. He's like, you know, felt like he had to do it, but she was he was a rambler. That's right. She said, you're a rambling man, and you ain't ever gonna change. You got a gypsy soul to blame, and you were born for leaving. That was the story of Gus. That's right, exactly. <laughs> um, so, um, anyways, they're on this. They're on this this trip. Uh, Jake has obviously um, abandoned Lori a couple times, and then he ev- finally abandons her for good when he uh, gets into uh, a group of of kind of outlaws. I don't know if they're outlaws yet, but uh, yeah, a group, I think they've always been. They were scum. probably yeah, yeah. They were kind of sociopath uh, criminals. <laughs> well, they were brothers stuff. actually, except for right. yeah, except for uh, frog lips. Frog lips. Yeah. That's right. Old lips. <laughs> um, so um, he's off doing that. Um, Blue duck comes and kidnaps Lori, and so there's a big chase after him. Uh, he finally gives her to uh, some other natives who Gus goes and promptly kills. Yeah. Uh, and Up in the land of Westacato, by the way. Where's that? In, up around Lubbock and Amarillo. Oh, okay. In the Panhandle. Okay, and that's that's like when you got the, you know, the plains of Oklahoma right. starting yeah. and all that. They call that the land of Westacato. I always remember that from my kid, my childhood. So uh, they're there, and uh, and uh, he kills all of them. July Johnson comes along, but I think there's like six natives there with, with the rain. And he rides into Camp Gus and uh, with July, and Gus kills all six of them. <laughs> and uh, July even goes, well, you killed all of them. You I didn't do anything. <laughs> I didn't even pull my gun <laughs> everything. And so, yeah, like uh, another uh, more proof that he was completely useless. Yeah. Um, so anyways, and while he's doing that, Blue Duck is off sneaking, uh, sneaking around killing his people, July Johnson's people. Um, so he finally, uh, Gus rescues uh, Lori, and then she stick she sticks with Gus for the rest of the trip um, until they get to uh, Ogallala. And I think that's what really makes her fall in love with him at that point because he's, he's the one that came after. That's her. right. That's right. Jake didn't come after her. Even uh, Dish didn't come after her. Um, but um, so eventually, because uh, Jake gets in with these outlaws and he's kind of a pansy, he he he's not strong enough to tell them. No, I don't want to be any part of this. 
Um, he kind of goes along with it while they kill some people and they even burn, burn, uh, they, they kill people. Then they hang the people that they killed and then they burn them. <laughs> yeah. So they're burning and, and hanging dead bodies and yeah. everything. So just bad, these, bad people. Yeah. The terrible things that, that, and this is all happening. Cause he hates sod busters. That's right. And I don't know. Does that just mean farmers? Yeah. It's okay. a farmer. That I, figured, I was like, well, that's what farmers do. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so I, as they're doing all these things, um, because they happen to be just slightly ahead of the group, um, Gus and call get onto the fact that there's some, some people going around killing people in the area that they're in. So they take it upon themselves. We're going to go find these people that are killing, hanging and burning people. The old ranger comes back to them. That's right. And then, but you know, um, Danny Glover's character Dietz is like uh, it's Jake yeah you know I know those tracks I don't know how he must be a very good tracker or whatever but he knows he how could, he rides his horse yep so he just said no nah, he's just are you sure and then a little later he's like yeah I just saw him down by the river yeah Jake is with him so they end up having to um, arrest apprehend all of them and and hang hang them all hang them all and hang Jake and stuff now if you had a friend like that and they were caught you could tell that they they probably weren't doing it but they fell in with a crowd of people that were doing it would you be able to do that I hang think, your friend i don't know i think so i think it was pretty despicable the guy could have never gone he was in the in the bar with him and all that but he was a coward <laughs> yeah exactly so and i don't know if he was a coward when he was rangering but yeah. he's definitely a coward now so coward. so it's one of those things where you could say no i'm not going to kill innocent people and you can kill me for that that's right but, but you know, when that. he was hanging with Call and Gus, man, he was able to do that because he had their, you know, they was on the right Those side. Those were the badasses. That's right. <laughs> they kept him over there, you know, right. on the right side. And he got to kill people anyway, I guess. But then he came over here. I don't know. I uh, I think they did right by him, <laughs> truthfully. I, I guess. I mean, that's kind of, uh, I was back in the days when, you know, you had to be judge, right. judge, jury, executioner. I didn't see no line, Gus. I didn't see no line, you know. Yeah. It's uh, it's 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 tough because I'm like you know I I try to have a forgiving nature and everything. Yeah. And I, now somebody that does something like that, they I I would think okay they need to go stand trial. Uh, but you know they were in the middle of their cattle drive. They couldn't do that. They could have probably taken him to a local place to have him prosecuted. I mean he probably would have been hanged by the end of the day anyways. Yeah, exactly. But at least he gets to and like he says you know I, I, i'm glad that i'm at least being hung hanged by sorry, my friends by my friends yeah that's the only pro, that's the only time you can actually say hanged yeah so hung yeah is not right in that situation no, hang it did yeah. yeah so if you're talking about someone being being hanged by a noose you right. say hanged you hanged and he said hung. you know uh gus says to him he said you know how it works jake you ride with the outlaw, you die with the outlaw. Sorry, you crossed the line. And that's when Jake says, I didn't see a line, Gus. Yeah. I didn't see a line, you know. So Yeah, and then he, do you think that he giddy-upped his own horse oh, yeah. so Gus wouldn't have to? Absolutely. That was his last uh, last bit of uh, humanity he had left into his friendship he had in him or whatever. So that's Gus, one, that's one thing I thought. It. I was like, you know, I wonder if he did that so Gus wouldn't have that's to. That's right. That's exactly why I think. I've always thought that way. Yeah. Because you see Gus's face afterwards. Yeah, he's just like, stuff. yeah, it, it, it gets him bad. And he said something like a, uh, he died fine or Colson did. He yeah, died he d- died died well or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I remember that. That was that was heartbreaking. But, you know, I, I you know, the Jake character, he was irritating yeah. and right up until he was on the horse ready to be hanged. And then suddenly he turned back into yeah. good Jake. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, so, um 
So, okay, I know that, uh, let's just talk about this real quick. I know that you are not a fan of Angelica Houston in this movie. <laughs> yeah. So, I am so not. And, you know, it was the only thing that spoiled the movie for me because yeah. she overacts it. Yeah. Okay, so when you told me that first time, I was like, well, that's not that because I, Angelica Houston is like a legend yeah. in, in cinema and stuff. So when you said that, I was like, oh, maybe that's just, you don't like, you're not a fan of Angelica Houston. I don't know if I just didn't pay attention to it last time or what, but oh my gosh, she is annoying. Absolutely. Not only is she her character is annoying, but Angelica Houston's deliverance That's right. of lines where she yeah, she's overreacting like, you know, she's angry but she's like happy within a few seconds and and, and yeah. she, she she's acting like she's on stage. And yeah. this is this is what I've told Andrew is like, you know, you have some you have stage acting where you have to overemphasize everything because there's no microphones. You have right. to project into the audience. So it's all about the over overacting and 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 really projecting and that she's acting like she's on stage yeah. and not on a film set. You know, film sets, that's where you can enjoy the subtleties and and play around with those those things, but I mean Angelica Houston was bad enough, but the character of Clara really irritated yes, me too. I agree, both both of them. Yeah, because and I mean, who the hell does she think she is talking to Call that way? Yeah. <laughs> well, before that, she stole that baby. Yes, she did. I, I wrote down here: Kara totally guilted July yeah. into letting her have his yeah. son. She, you know, she didn't even wait for him to say, "Do you want it?" Yeah, he's just sitting there like traumatized. She goes, "Take it from me right now before I get too attached." <laughs> no. You know, and it's like. This is somebody else's baby. Chill out. Like, I know that she she helped that, and yeah. she's taking care of that, and that's great and everything. But the fact that, like, she barely let John, July get any words out, and she's basically like, can I have your son? Yeah. My sons are dead. Can I have your son? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know? you know, it's that's like, right. I'm desperate for a son. I lack young things, Mr. Johnson. I get attached real quick. I'm getting real attached to you, Martin. I know he ain't mine, but he ain't your wife's anymore. Do you want him? I don't know what to do. Oh, it's been so long since I've done anything right. Can't even remember it. I lost my three boys. The only took them. I'll date young Martin here if you don't want him. But if you do want him, I wish you'd go right on and take him before I get too attached. Please. Can I name him Gus? You know, she's give me, obsessed give me, give with me. him. Yeah, exactly. So that, I was never a fan of how she treated Call. Right. I don't think he deserved it. I don't either. Maybe, maybe during when Gus was alive, but he didn't deserve to have Gus's life uh, and choice of life thrown on his him. face that's right because he even said you know i told him we'll bury him right here in your little cemetery i told I him that like very I thing said the same i said told him the very that very thing yeah. and he said he wanted texas and yeah. everything and then she's just like you know i hated you then i hate you now and yeah. i hate you for what you're doing that's right and all this kind of stuff and he just took it you no know, i despised you then i yeah. despise you now <laughs> <laughs> you really have to talk. Uh, despise. Uh, despise. She, she's she's the only one that whole section wherever she's acting i i despise it is <laughs> she's terrible i'm sorry yeah she, uh, she's a wonderful person wonderful actress and all that kind of stuff but she was not made for this part yeah she does well when she has uh, roles to like ham it up like in witches yeah she played a witch there and yeah. she had to really be cheesy and ham it up and everything and you know different things that i've seen her in you know or the adams family when she played morticia yeah 
um, you know, that those dramatic, real, out there type of things right. she does well. But this was supposed to be, you know, the love of Gus's life, somebody who was strong, um, but sweet and all this kind of and 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 yeah, it just it was acted bad. And some of the, the choices, I, I would think that she would want to forgive Woodrow at the end and realize that he wanted he just wants to do what's best for Gus, yeah. just like everybody else. For that girl's sake, I wish you'd bury him here. Gus meant the world to her. I agree it's foolish, and I told him so myself, but I give him a word I'd take him back. You gave him your word? Did you give that boy your name before you left Montana? I gave him my horse. You gave him your horse, not your name. I put a lot more value on the animal than I do my name. Look at me, Captain Cole. I'm sorry you and Gus McRae ever met. All you ever did was ruin each other, not to mention those closest to you. I love Gus, but I wasn't going to fight you for him every day of my life. I despised you then for what you were, and I despise you now for what you're doing. You know, I think you have to uh, <clears throat> split between the... Uh, the acting of the actress and the, the storyline because, you know, Larry McMurtry wrote it that way, so she had to deliver that. But, again, she overacted, I think, and she she did terrible at the part. There have been some, so many other people I think could have played that part. So much better, even with the same lines, perhaps. Yeah. You know? There's a couple of times I wrote down, I don't like Angela Houston. A couple other notes. Angela Houston is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just like, oh, God. I had to keep writing it and everything. Uh, the Okalala uh, uh, um, prostitute establishment is that a better way of saying whorehouse? Okay. <laughs> um, uh, the big girl there was Margot Martindale. I don't know if you know her. She's uh, she played Mags Bennett on Justified. Oh yes, she was that was the, her. That was one of the big bad. Wow. Stuff. Yeah, she played Mags Bennett. She was much younger looking here oh, and everything yeah. like that. But I was like, hey, it's all Mags Bennett there. I noticed her. Um, let's see, Angelica Houston is terrible. <laughs> Those daughters creep me out. Yeah. Seriously, Angelica Houston is the worst. <laughs> but yeah, those daughters creep me out like, yeah, can we come play with us? It reminded me of the twins in The Shining. <laughs> you know, like Danny rolls up on him in his little tricycle and they're like, come play with us. Yeah, let's, let's have a let's have a, a Western horror, should we? Yeah. She'd be like, can we, mama? <laughs> it was like, okay, these girls are freaking me out a little bit. Let's have a picnic. Oh, can we, mama? I don't like anything yeah, in Ogallala that happened because there was too much July Johnson storyline, too much Clara. <laughs> that was just bad. Like, let's just get past Ogallala. Yeah, no kidding. Um, also, Gus and her kissing in front of the oh no, ex. that's terrible that's because rough. you don't know how much of him is still there and everything. <laughs> even that's... even the creepy little girl said, "Oh, mama," <laughs> which <What you> did <laughs> something like that. Oh, mama. <laughs> I just I was just like, this is horrible. I'm like, I don't like Gus because <laughs> no. he keeps doing these shady things I and know. everything. Um, they they didn't really uh, they, they they heaped on the um, foreshadowing a bit too much. I think. Um, the uh, big sweeping goodbye scene he has for Clara yeah. and and uh, oh, I thought you what were was her name uh, Lori Lori yeah I thought you were gonna talk about him spitting in a wagon with Pocampo oh well there is that he's <laughs> yeah. like oh you'll never that's, be married that's right do you think that Pocampo saw just saw that he wouldn't be married no. or do you think Pocampo saw that he was gonna die I think he saw I he mean, was if not. in this world where uh, he could actually see it that's right um, I tried that once I, I spit on a piece of wood and 
I couldn't tell anything. Couldn't see crap. No, could you? I couldn't. <laughs> it looked, just looked like a disgusting mess. That's right. <laughs> Your mama said, "Don't spit on my floor." <laughs> you have all that tobacco. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. No. So it was. Uh, it was. It was weird because yeah, I, th- I thought that he probably saw his death, but then he didn't want to say anything yeah. about it. Um, uh, yeah, th- I just think the big sweeping when he's telling you know Lori, you know what he say, uh, oh Lori or something yeah. like that, Lori or, darling, Lori darling, yeah. that's it, Lori darling, and that's all he said, yeah. you know, Lori darling, and then he goes off and it's big sweeping, and they're both watching him. Yeah. You're like, yeah, that guy's gonna die. He's gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> that's the last time they'll ever see that guy. <laughs> um, and then also where uh, Deets. Yeah, waved. he goes, turns, waves, waves at Newt really weirdly, and uh, then rides away. You're like, okay, that guy's gonna die too. <laughs> and you even look at Luke. You know, Luke's thinking, I think he's probably gonna die. Yeah, yeah. You look at Newt's <laughs> face, and he's kind of like looking at it. It's like, I mean, it really just is like, okay, yeah. uh, we get it. You know, leave a little mystery there. Yeah. But um, that was rough. Um, so, anyways, they they push past Ogallala. They um they they get start getting up to, into you know into more of Blue Ducks territory, but they they don't see him again. Yeah. Till towards the end, but um there are some other Indians up there. You know, uh, they finally get far enough north where um, Gus and P are going to start. Uh, they they go ahead to start range. You know, to to looking out and uh, your. Uh, what am I trying to say? You know, spots and everything yeah, like that. Checking stuff, yeah. Yeah, so he goes, you know, he's like, let's chase Buffalo. And he's like, why? <laughs> he's like, do you mean drive him? Instead of, he's like, no, just to chase him. Just to have He's like, you're not getting it. And so he goes and just chases him. And then as soon as he goes over that ridge, you're like, okay, something bad's going to happen. And then suddenly you hear gunshots and he's coming. And he's, he's already got two uh, arrows in him. I thought that was so cool yeah and it's just so exciting because then you're like oh shit yeah and you see all these people and i mean he's hauling but yeah and let me just say tommy lee jones he did all his own uh horse stuff he owns a horse ranch yes. in texas he's a horseman and so when they tried to bring in stuntmen for his horse riding whether it's even if it's his hardcore horse riding going down hills and <clears throat> all that kind of stuff he goes no 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 and he refused to let any stuntman do it. he goes i own a horse ranch i know how to do all this stuff yeah I know how to, you know, do cattle and horses and everything. He's like, nobody's going to do that. So I thought that was cool. But that arrow scene, pulling that arrow out of his leg. Oh, that was both great. The, it was brutal. Yeah. Uh, you're, and and Duvall's acting in that uh, to where he's just like, he's vibrating. He's yeah. shaking so hard. And you really believe that there's an arrow in his yeah. leg. Yeah. And he's going to push it on through. Is Robert Duvall your favorite actor? Probably one of my top five, at least. I think I've heard you say that before. Yeah. Like, you're like, you know, I like John Wayne movies and everything. Yeah. But, I mean, as far as actors go, I yeah. mean. And this may have been, the this this particular movie may have been what kind of put me there. I've seen him in a couple of, that preacher he played in it one and some other stuff. But I've seen him in some other ones. But this was probably where I first saw him. Um, and it, it just uh, stuck with me. I mean. You know, right down to his hat. I, I never saw anybody wear a hat with that kind of cut or fold on it before. Yeah, it was really high. Yeah, and and, and you know, I, I remember, I, I remember that was a style after that movie. You used to start seeing people wearing hats like that after that movie. Huh? It's like it's like a normal cowboy hat, but it doesn't have <laughs> yeah. all the folds, and it's just completely yeah. up. But you know what? There's and and there's different. Like in Montana, you remember the sheriffs up there uh, when they were you know blue duck was in jail it was in new mexico oh uh, yeah yeah did you remember, did, remember seeing the style of clothing yeah hats? yeah and he and he had like a wider yeah. mustache and they epic had the mustache vest on and, the vest. and the different kind of yeah. hats in in different it parts looks of like the tombstone yeah 
different parts of the country had their own styles like that. Montana had big old tall hats and stuff like that. I don't know why, but and I think mostly in Texas it was mostly they, they got a hat when they were born and that's about they wore it the whole time. Yeah, you know, it was all ripped and stained and everything. Their hat for their I life. know people like that in West Texas. Uh I almost said the name. There's a guy that drills water wells for us out there. And he was issued his hat at, at birth at and birth. has had it ever since. And had it ever since. I know several people like that. They hang out, and they're all felt hats. They're not straw hats. They're felt hats. And, man, they are nasty, dirty things. But, man, you'd have to put a gun to their head to take your hat away from it's them. It's like your left leg. You never want to be parted with it. Exactly right. right. Jeez. Dusty, that was his name. Good old Dusty. Yeah. Yeah, and I like Tommy Tommy Lee Jones's hat. It's very reminiscent yeah. of the tombstone hats, yep. the the, hat, the type of hats that they wore in tombstone. With with the, it's a rounded top instead of like a square or a folded top. It reminds me of Hoss and Bonanza. Oh man, I don't have enough knowledge about Bonanza. <laughs> I think Bonanza. I watched maybe a couple episodes. Your but. your great grandfather that used to be I don't know it was like Tuesday nights. Every Tuesday night he was there to watch Bonanza. Every Tuesday night. I remember. Uh, is it has been no but i i'm thinking uh it's either bonanza or not bonanza rawhide or yeah. have gun will travel yeah. what's the one with um you ain't ever heard of marshall Dillon. oh marshall Dillon. oh that's uh 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 gunsmoke oh okay gunsmoke yeah. that i do remember that one I, I i guess i forgot the name but i do remember watching a couple episodes because that all that stuff would play at like nick at night yeah, yeah. you know with the dick van dyke show that's and, right and uh, miss kitty what's the one about the fort the oh, army fort oh yeah yeah uh oh, branded no they had one like that it's called branded where uh, and that was i forget his name anyway they broke his sword and that was his thing was they had like a half sword he carried with him everything i can't remember what it was but i know but what you're talking about there was a comedy uh, it was a western comedy yeah and that's probably what i'm thinking yeah. it was a fort something maybe yeah. it was what it was called i can't remember but yeah i do remember you know the marshall dillon yeah. and you know kitty wanted him to settle yeah. down and then john michael montgomery was it john michael montgomery yeah. that yeah it should have been a cowboy yeah yeah miss kitty was a, well, she was a uh a, a, you know what a woman of ill repute yeah <laughs> and nobody ever talked about she was, that she was a uh what do you call it uh uh, uh lori yeah she yeah, was yeah so <laughs> Um, so yeah, I thought that arrow scene was pretty brutal. Yeah, that really was. Um, and we get a realistic death scene for Gus. Yes. Um, it's not quite heroic. It's right. not like he's going out in a blaze of thing. It's, 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 he went out like probably how most people went out, you know, <clears throat> he didn't just die off for, for Woodrow to track down and yeah, find, find him, him in the wilderness or whatever. He came upon a guy that drove him into town. They ended up cutting his leg off slow death from uh, from blood poisoning and all that kind of stuff you know and that's when i we bring in the uh the whole kicking the pig foreshadowing yeah. you know he's like you know they you know woodrow wants him to let him take the other leg so he can live and he's like you know i like to kick pigs you know how am i supposed to do that that's with no right. legs you know that type of thing i might want to kick a pig <laughs> yeah i might want to kick a pig or two or something like that i just think it's and the last scene with those two is yeah. so touching really was. And when he thought he died in the middle of writing his last letter to Clara, and he just got real close, and he says, Augustus. And then Augustus finally opens he his opens eyes. He opens his eyes, and then he says, My God, Woodrow. It's been quite a party, ain't it? Yes, sir. 
and there's that I God scene again, and uh, and yes, it has, and it's like you finally get a touching moment between these two. Yeah, you know they're going back and forth at each other. Uh, you know him giving uh, Gus crap about you know not working and being lazy and all that, and the other one about not being a good father and admitting that he's the son and everything. Um, I don't know. I just I, I just thought it was really touching. Yeah, I those did two. too. That was a good scene right there. Yeah. Um, talking about Woodrow. Um, what did I want to say with Woodrow? Um, so he can't. He he's an interesting character because he can't he can't admit, um, and they they talk about I mean they talk about it straight out in the movie he can't admit that he's his father because he it would admit him being human human yeah and it's because he um he he doesn't think it was right to have slept with a prostitute. And but that, he did that, it anyway. <laughs> but he did it anyway. But I mean, that's like his huge problem. Yeah. It's like that's your only problem. Yeah. So he he it, it becomes a complex where you know I, I think laziness can can be a, a a hugely bad thing. And obviously this this country was not built on laziness. Right. Um, but the overworking thing that can be a problem if you take it too far that way too. And if you hide you hold yourself to standards that are impossible for anybody to then yeah you're gonna get things like gus saying you know oh he thinks he's god yeah you know and he thinks that he's better than everybody so that's got to be kind of an ego thing don't you think i suppose so i mean i don't know i think he was just his whole world was built around work and taking care of business and all that and that was his persona that was his his thing um he didn't know another way do you think that's like something that he learned from his dad or something like that and obviously me and me and andrew like to take things like let's think of what 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 the reasoning is for that character inside the world right right i had to have been like a family thing like he was just raised to either that hard work all the time either that and we've talked about this before you know what the military does i mean the three of us have been in the military and Mm -hmm. it's affected us greatly so maybe that's what affected him too he uh he was in the rangers for 30 years and he had a mission and uh, they had a chain of command and they had all this kind of stuff so it might be that his propensity for that was there anyway uh but the the ranger and and that type of uh of set up for him kind of cemented it for him or something uh you don't know enough about the guy and his upbringing to know yeah. if his dad was you know hammering him that way or if it's kind of his personality and he was molded and the reason the i bring that up is because you know maybe his dad was with him like he is with newt yeah because he's he's had newt for what so like 12 years now yeah. i think uh, since the the uh, the woman died or something, yeah, something like that because like jake spoon said he was just like a little kid last time he saw him yeah. um to at the end of the cattle drive he's basically leaving newt in charge of everybody yeah and so you know obviously he's been around enough hard work to know that even though newt's kind of you know he's still a kid you know when they stop in places he'd want to go into the whorehouses and everything but you know you know he still trusts him and and, you know trusts him uh to be responsible and obviously it was probably the breaking the horse scene uh -hmm. when they got to montana and newt was breaking that horse and i'll take this one next and everything it was kind of like he started to see himself in him and i think that's when he really truly accepted that newt was his son when he saw it because you see him watching newt break that horse and we saw at the beginning 
um, called breaking that horse right. and taking a while and Newt kind of just just warmed up to 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 being able to do that yeah because really pa well. even says he uh he reminds me a lot of you or yeah something like that. because yeah. like call for some reason yeah. is the only one that knows yeah. that that's his son and all that yeah um and you know i have a feeling deets probably did too but mm-hmm. um but yeah it was it, i think that was the moment and actually if you look right here, i think that's the picture where he's watching yep. newt yep. do the horse thing i think that's the moment where he finally said yeah that's my son yeah in his head yeah but we it's so heart-wrenching um i uh what, what did i write down i, I just, let's see uh because yeah, he's he's gave him his watch yeah it's 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 uh, belonged to my dad yeah so i i guess maybe i didn't maybe i didn't write down completely but you know it's he he it's it's so heartbreaking that yeah he gave him his watch and his horse and all this kind of stuff but he could not give newt what newt wanted and it was his name yeah Yeah, and and or at least told him yeah you know because newt knew but he wanted it. He wanted him to say it, right? Because even though he knew from Gus, I still think there was probably a little bit of doubt. Yeah. Like, well, until he says it, That's maybe right. it's not true. Maybe it's something that Gus is just assuming or whatever. Yeah. But I don't know if you noticed this. Um, the uh, the story and visuals changes when Gus dies. Did you notice that? Uh, as far as like the pacing and everything. Um, I'm not sure because I, I always saw it as like, okay, this story is just trying to wrap up real quick because oh. Gus died, uh, what about a quarter of the way, maybe even a third of the way through the last chapter. Yeah. So there's still a good 45 minutes to an hour with yeah. no Gus. Yeah. Um, so the story and visuals changes when Gus dies. Um, now that the focus is on call, there's not as much dialogue. Yeah, there's not as much much people talking. There's lots of cuts, <clears throat> little yeah, uh, montages of them traveling uh, until they get to their spot in Montana. Um, and I, I feel like that's just how Call sees the world. Yeah. You know, he's quiet, focused, and always on to the next. Whereas Gus, when the rest of the story was being told, with Gus as kind of the main character. Um, it, it was kind of meandering, lots of talking, lots of joking around and different things here and there. But as soon as Gus died and the focus switched to call, it was a lot of montages focusing on their goal, trying to get there. Not a lot of talking, yeah. a lot of cuts to them traveling because that's got to be what's in his mind. On to the next, on to the next. You know? Well, even Ricky Schroeder said in there, he hadn't heard him say two words in the last two weeks or something. Exactly. Yeah. And, and if you notice the editing and stuff like that now, the, a big reason is that is because Robert Duvall is such a character that he can kind of be charming and yeah. he can carry uh, having his own dialogue and just monologue right. all the, you know for for two minutes straight and be all right. So you're missing that, but I think it I think it was on purpose too because it's yeah. showing, you know, we have kind of a meandering story where it kind of goes flighty here and there, and that's kind of Gus's story. But when he dies, then it's Call's story for the rest of the movie. And it's just kind of straight and to the point. Even the montages of him coming back to Texas. Yeah. Now, I know, like, they're wrapping it up. They can't stretch it out or anything. But, I mean, it's to the point. And that's how, like, yeah. Call lives his life. That's how I saw it from and, an artistic Hollywood yeah. point he, of view. Yeah, and he made his uh, goal. He made it to Montana, though, where Gus was going and everybody was going. He actually made it to Montana, set up the ranch there, built the uh, log, log cabin and all that kind of stuff. So there was a lot of... Uh, of uh, uh wrapping up there but it was they, they uh all everything they went through they finally made it to montana and did what the goal was yep and and he did it like you say in the last 
three quarters of the last episode there or whatever uh you know putting all that together plus taking him back and knowing that you know after last scene there with that reporter and all that kind of stuff says yeah i'm a man of great vision and he goes through the whole thing and you know the scenes yeah. and all that kind of stuff but then you know he's going back to montana so yeah and then that famous that famous line the great vision that actually comes from the real life that good night guy oh, yeah. i guess he's the one that said that ah. um it, it was something like that this a hell the, of a vision the, yeah the 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 writer larry mercury he pulled that from somewhere i can't ah, remember where it okay. was but but he, he gave that to him for for that uh do you i get the sense that woodrow is definitely the tougher one if mm. that makes sense like like i think gus gus is more like the you know he's good with women he's very charismatic he he can fight if he wants to but for some reason i got the sense that woodrow could make it basically through anything yeah he's tough and can't be beat yeah and gus could talk his way out of anything you know so. right but uh, it, and it almost is like i don't know maybe people even don't want to mess with woodrow or whatever because yeah they they went through all those troubles but they had a bunch of people in their little party as they were heading up north woodrow went south all by himself crossed yeah. all those same dangerous places all by himself now yeah he can move quicker and everything but you know he's still dragging a body he, there's still natives around and all this kind of stuff so you know, it, it just it, it for me, and he, you know, he even got that point where he stopped once. He threw a blanket, you know, yeah. one of those native blankets around him, and he sat at his fire as he was looking at the other natives, and he just had this determination in him. You know, yeah, it didn't look it like great they look. were going to fight and everything, but it just kind of had this determination, like you know, nobody's going to touch me. Yeah, I'm going to get this mission done and everything. So, I don't know. I just I just felt like you know he's one of these characters that is just so. Uh, is obviously why he was the leader of the party and everything is and why people followed him is because he's just got that nature about him played perfectly by Tommy Lee Jones yeah. where he's almost unbreakable yeah except right there at the end when he when those buzzards are getting on him and all that kind of stuff he goes a little crazy then yeah I start shooting up yeah. at him and everything and then he finally makes it to to Claire's orchard yeah where it, and now you know that was uh, they they built that that river was right because remember in the earlier in the movie he quickly rode to it from yeah from the Al- from where the Alamo was so that has to be I know the river walk is is man-made yeah but I mean uh, the river actually flowed through yeah, it and it everything did. so yeah. I wonder if he was buried there on the river walk and he had to be exhumed. I, think, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know it's not a true story, but to, to think about it now and how it would be nowadays, oh, man, they, they, they must have Gus is part of the river walk right yeah, now. Yeah, there you go. You know, maybe he's already dissolved and part of the uh, river walk. I got whatever. me an idea. There's a lot of people buried along that San Antonio River Probably. where they did all that. But anyway, yeah. Um, uh, last few things. Um, Dish. I really like Dish. Yeah. I thought he had probably the most development out of any character in the movie because he started out as this kind of like guy that wasn't worth much and well, I mean, it wasn't worth anything but I mean he was in Lonesome Dove you didn't see if he had any family you don't know why he's there but you get a, you get the sense that he doesn't have anything you know he's borrowing a couple bucks from Gus so he could be with Lori and everything but she kind of wants nothing to do with him and all this stuff he's obviously madly in love with her Yeah, one of these like I can save her. <laughs> Have you ever heard that? 
Uh-uh. So like you know people that date strippers and different things oh, like that yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. or or not date but like fall in love with strippers yeah. or or this person that you know uh, women in that type of industry whether it's porn or 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 exotic dancing or whatever it is like oh, I could save her yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like I kind of like no you can't yeah, that's right <laughs> like they're all going to school for nursing that's and right <laughs> all this kind of stuff but so that that's how he kind of was you know he was just like he didn't have anything. And by the end of it, he was well-dressed. He had, you know, I mean, even his facial hair, he had, like, real scraggly, young. Yeah. But by the end, by the time they were in Montana, I mean, I'm sure everybody was like, even Newt had a mustache. Yeah. But, I mean, he had fuller beard. He looked more mature. He looked more like a leader, whereas at the yeah. beginning he was whining and he was just doing it to get some money and, right. you know, to be close to Lori and everything. Where at the end... He collected his wages. Uh, he was he was con- you know I think he was even left in charge. Whenever yeah. um, Call went to go find Gus, he said, uh, "Dish, you're in charge." Yeah. And so I mean, he went from this guy that like you know Tommy Lee Jones at the beginning. Call was just like, ah, you know, don't be lazy. You got to work off that you know that breakfast yeah, and right. all this kind of stuff. Now digging those wells and everything, and he's complaining the whole time to being <laughs> like this this uh leader on the thing to where he was left in charge when the two main guys were gone and everything so i thought he had a lot of good development i've always loved db sweeney uh, in any role usually a lot of times he plays bad guys he plays a pretty good bad guy because he's such a smarmy little jackass most of the time i was looking at that he played two and a half men he played a number of different things in there uh he was in jericho that's right yeah that's right he was in jericho he was in he was the bad guy in jericho that's part right. of the the new shady government and everything but that's right he uh i've always liked him and i thought he had great development and he was always there for clary took his wages and rode through blizzards as clara said right. to get to her and wasn't pushing her pressuring her or anything but was just there because he wanted to be near her and make sure she was good, make sure she was safe and everything. So you got the sense that he was truly in love with her and that the movie didn't really address it. I I thought maybe they could have at least given them a conversation, a real conversation to maybe set up, okay, maybe they get together in the future and she actually ends up having a good life with a good person. I don't know if this is right or not, but I know Return to Lonesome Dove, uh, she was still in it and he may have been in it as well, D.B. Sweeney. I don't know. I have to look at that. But uh, he may have come back, and they may have uh, taken care of it then as far as the relationship with them, too. I don't know. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, the good guy never went mono a mano with the bad guy like in Hollywood. It just happened to be Call was on his way back, taking Gus's body back to San Antonio, stopped in New Mexico, and uh, who are you hanging? Blue Duck. Yeah. Oh. And so he got to watch him now. He never got hung. He, he went and showed uh, Call that he could fly. Um, I guess that old woman didn't teach you to fly after all, did he? (laughs) But I mean, you know, in a typical movie, all this stuff went on between Blue Duck and Gus. He's on his way back. Blue Duck in today's Hollywood would come upon Call and they'd have a showdown. Right. And Call would be the one to finally put him down. Right. That's how you would have it. But this is like a more realistic Western. It's like, you know, the Hollywood events that you have with the... the, uh, 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 Johnny Ringo dying in a duel with Doc Holliday, yeah. and the you know the shootout at the OK Corral. Well, they don't know that Doc Holliday really killed Johnny Ringo. They don't know what happened. It was right. initially ruled as a suicide. Yeah. He killed himself about by a tree. Uh, the OK Corral. It didn't actually take place in the OK Corral. It took place a couple of lots down yeah. and everything. So, you know, it's 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 more realistic this way to him come upon and find that somebody's captured Blue Duck. 
and I'm going to watch this guy die now because, you know, he's, you know, the, the, done so much terrible things. Right. It was kind of weird because Tommy Lee Jones didn't really, we didn't have a connection between those two throughout the movie. That's true, yeah. Um, so it was a little odd, but I think that what we were feeling is Gus through call. Yeah, yeah. Because they, that, that had to be cleaned up. Yeah, they never saw each. They uh, the three of them never saw each other close up right. until this movie. They'd heard each other about each other for years, but until this well, movie, you know, when Duke, Blue Duck was uh, was talking to uh, Gus in the river, there, he's saying, "Too bad your your boy calling or your 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 ranger calling yeah, or what?" It's like he'll be buying, kill both of you yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, "I'm not going to wait around to kill old yeah. crusty, yeah. whatever." But yeah, I just thought that was interesting. It doesn't have the mono mono shootout. Yeah. It would have been exciting. It would have been cool. I would have liked that. Yeah. But I'm fine with this as well because it's not Hollywood. Yeah. And that's what the, this, this movie wasn't trying to be Hollywood. I don't think it was trying that's to right. just be a real, like you said, a real depiction of, of the the rough, terrible life of frontiermen, of of cowboys, cowboys. of westerners, yeah. you know, of, of, of people building this country, of, of frontiering this country and That's everything. Right. Um, where does Woodrow go from here? Because whenever he left uh, Montana, he told everybody, Newt's in charge. But he didn't say Newt's in charge until I get back. Yeah, He just said Newt's in charge. And it felt like he was done. He had done his mission. He'd gotten up to Montana, built it. He was the first to build a ranch up there or whatever. He put Newt in charge, basically gave Newt this whole land mm-hmm. that and 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 put him in charge of everything and it didn't sound like he was planning on coming back i don't know because that reporter asked him he said uh uh oh no that's when he was talking to to uh the cook there the old cook and he says you know jake's buried up here and bull yeah bull that's right and uh you know gus over and all the rest of the boys are up in montana building a ranch yeah so i don't know i, I mean i assumed that once he came back and got his New suit of clothes and was talking that reporter and he goes all back that. to Montana. Yeah, they that's what I thought to too. But then I was thinking about it. Well, the way he left him in charge and everything, and the way that Newt freaked out whenever he left, he's like, "I yeah. ain't got any family in this world at right. all. I'm I'm nobody." And then walks off. It kind of felt like Newt thought that that might be the last time he saw Call too. Mm-hmm. And like Call was like, "Look, I I, I value this horse and this this watch over yeah. my name, That's so right. I'm going to give you." And you know, of course, that didn't make any sense to Clara, yeah. but to Gus, it probably would have made sense. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, to give him his horse, especially as much time he spent or whatever. But it didn't sound like he for me. I guess you could go either way. Um, maybe I like to go for the more tragic yeah. thing, just because it's more drama yeah. and everything, and it's and it hits you harder when stuff like yeah. that happens. Like maybe then he just decided to, you know. Yeah, but what would he do then? Around. He didn't have a Gus with him anymore. All his old friends are dead. All that kind of stuff. I mean, the only connection he had was Newt left yeah. after all that. So to me, he had to go back to Montana, and that was his dream. He made it to Montana. Now. He's going to see if he can be a Montana, Montana cattle man and yeah. work with his son or something. I that's, don't know. That's probably that's probably what's what's going to happen. I, I like that that that's kind of left ambiguous. Yeah. It, it doesn't show him saying, "Yeah, I'm heading back up to Montana now." It's just him exploring Lonesome Dove, and it just ends with yeah, him crossing thought. that bridge. You know, that's good thought. Um, okay, so the Latin on the <laughs> sign. Okay, um, it transcribes to a grape changes color when it sees another grape basically a grape ripens when it sees another grape ripen right 
So, in other words, the phrase serves as a metaphor for the group's journey. Uh, as many of the, 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 the stories, characters go through, uh, you know, maturity, maturation, whatever. Like you were talking about with Dish and even Ricky Schroeder character and all that. Right. The, all that developed, you know, like grape ripens in the presence of others. Okay. So, D.B. Sweeney's character, Dish, he didn't have a drive, but he became an adult and had a purpose Under through... Call. Call yeah. and and, and McCray, yeah. um, same thing with Newt. Uh, same thing. Basically, July. You know, yeah. everybody who came into contact with these people, yeah. it just shows you shows them on their different journey. That's interesting. But it's explained in the movie as just some kind of. It sounded good. Uh, yeah. you, you you don't know what it means. You just fa- you just think that it sounds yeah. fancy and educated. So you put that on the sign. <laughs> That's cool that Larry McMurtry would do that because you know people are gonna go. I gotta find out what that means. Yeah, you know? yeah. And then they go, wait, a grape right? Pins around other way. What does that mean? That's pretty cool. And then they start philosophizing. About yeah, it. <laughs> let's, let's philosophize now. So I thought that That's was really cool. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. So now, from now on, you know what that means. Maybe it, it helped you. You know, you can kind of inject that into the movie yeah, when you watch you it or whatever. Yeah. Um, so at the Golden Globes, they they were snubbed at the Emmys, but it was made up for at the Golden Globes. Uh, Lonesome Dove won Best Miniseries, and Robert Duvall won Best Actor at Golden Globes for this. Wow. So um, Tommy Lee Jones was shafted, which I think yeah. is a shame. I, obviously, Robert Duvall is amazing, and he's probably the standout of this movie, I'd say. I think they're both pretty equal, but, I mean, Robert Duvall is a master class actor. Yeah. I mean, he was in The Godfather, and then he was in The Godfather of Western movies. Yeah. I mean, he's he's just such a, a powerhouse yeah. in, in his acting. And, and Tommy Lee Jones got his for The Fugitive or something. He did. He yeah. got the Best Supporting Actor for The Fugitive. He actually beat out... Uh, oh, he beat out... We talked about this early in the season. He beat out Leonardo DiCaprio in What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Oh, wow. They were both up for an Oscar that year for Best Supporting Actor, and right. Tommy Lee Jones won it for The Fugitive, because I believe it was like 94 or something like yeah. that, but... Um, uh, Tommy Lee Jones beat out Leonardo DiCaprio. That was like Leonardo DiCaprio's first major role, so yeah. they were like, "All right, we're gonna," you know. I mean, Tommy Lee Jones did an amazing job yeah. in that in The Fugitive, though. <clears throat> so it's one of those things. And then Tommy Lee Jones and Robert Duvall were uh, made honorary Texas Rangers. Ah, I did movie. not know that either. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool, Heck and you yeah. know, especially with Tommy Lee Jones having a ranch, yeah, in Texas and everything. You know, maybe he has. I'd put out like a cool little honorary. Texas Ranger sign out there. That's or right. I don't know. But That's awesome. I'm really glad that we got to do this movie because uh, I, I'm not. I've never been a huge cowboy movie, western movie fan or anything like that. And you know, I am. Big yeah, fan. and and it's just it's. I don't know if it's like the culture of cowboys was cheesy when i was younger because it was all like rhinestone yeah. chromed out pistols. yeah john travolta yeah yeah different things like that and uh or at least that's how i saw some of those things when i was younger but um the hollywood over the last 20 years 30 years or whatever has given it you know a lot of different treatments with real dramatic roles and real interesting stuff to to where it's closer to how it really was back then right. And, uh, and, and so I, you know, I love the, like we say, the, you know, the romance of the Western. I mean, you had the British yeah. had their knights, you you know, you have all yeah. the, the Japanese had their samurai. America has cowboys. That's you true. Know? Yeah. That's like the hero of our heroes of our culture or, right. you know, whatever you might want to call it or whatever. But, you know, nowadays, not so much. It's, uh, you know, it's a lot of, uh, political correctness yeah. and, and, 
you know, cowboys and Indians and all this kind of stuff. You can't know. have that crap. Yeah, you can't talk about that anymore because, <laughs> you, you know, you get in trouble for talking about that. But it, it, it's, it, it, it is romantic, uh, uh, always presented as, you know, kind of a romantic period, you know, of of free thinkers and, and, and motivated yeah. people. And it was such a short period of time too. Yeah. Very it wasn't over period. hundreds of years. No. Like, oh, I mean, it was, it was who can get there first. That's so right. yeah, that's why they had gold rush and yeah. different things, silver rush, uh, all these different things. Um, and, and, and it had to be, it had to be settled so quickly because so many people were, were wanting a part of it. But I mean, it's this hard, hard life. I know. This hard country, this hard uh, uh, you, to have that type of motivation to to do. Can you imagine anybody nowadays? Oh yeah, in these generations, having the kind of motivation to frontier and to build a country. It reminds me of the Greatest Generation. Your your grandfather, World War Two. Mm-hmm. Those people, the people came off the farms and uh, went to uh, to the the Great World War. It, it, to, to me, it's the same thing. Yeah, people come from all over the world, England and, and different places, and coming to this country and then getting on a doggone horse and heading out for parts unknown where there's Indians and there's hardships and there's, you know, snakes and bugs and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And you've got, like, in there's the elements. That's right. There's no Walmart. There's no uh, Home Depot, none of that kind of stuff. You got to get out there, and, and you got a wagon with you, and you got your plow, and you got your horse, and you get out there, and you make what you can of it. And some people did fantastic. You know, you got uh, some of these people built some big ranches in Texas and different stuff like that, but then you've also got million other people that made the same trek those people did, and for whatever reason, they didn't make it. And you don't hear about those people. Yeah. But, but the ones that did make it, I mean, from North Dakota. Like the Donner Party, they didn't make it. <laughs> yeah, no, they, <laughs> no, they made a great uh, table setting, but other than that. <laughs> they made it something. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, these, these type of people, and I just don't think we had those anymore. We hadn't drove over two. But I'm sorry, I, it just doesn't seem like we have much of that left in us, I'm afraid. No, I mean, I, <clears throat> I don't think... I, I could never compare myself to some to to or my work or whatever to some of these people that Gosh, had no. to do this hard work. I I don't know if I was built for it. I know that I, I have it in me just because of how I was raised by you and mom, and I know Andrew's the same way. That when you're at work, you bust your ass and you yeah. do your job. You don't look at how much your work you're doing compared to how much work no. somebody else is doing. You know, when you get screwed over with certain things. You just buck up and deal with That's it, right. and Take you get it done. Because if I complain about it, I'm just worried about what other people are doing the work. No, I got to be worried about what I'm doing. Ten so you, yeah. you just bust your ass, you do the work, you don't complain. Well, yeah, but this person, you know, it's like, look, this person before me did the hard work. I can do the hard work too. You come home, take care of family, then. Right. That's what it's all about. Yeah. So, I, and I just, but I don't know if I'd be built for those times. Uh, no. And now you, you are one of these people. You remind me a lot of Call because, uh, you know, I, I for as long as I've known you, <laughs> which has been about my whole life. Um, you 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 have to have a project you yeah. have to have something even if you're not work you know if, if it's not work yeah. when you come home you have to do something whether it's now obviously i don't know if people have seen because you've posted videos and pictures of your backyard it looks amazing because you put in hard work over the years and everything yeah. but i mean just i mean stuff to where me and andrew would be like why are we doing this are we doing it just to work i think we're doing it just to work <laughs> uh, we, this doesn't really need to be done but we need to work you know it's and, a drive yeah so 
now you I could see being in 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 those times and being all right. Be you know you like all the range food, you like all yeah. these you know the hard work. You you get up crack of dawn, you know you know you're in bed when you're supposed to and everything, and you know you i could see you on one of those drives yeah. and everything i just don't know if i'm built for that yeah, i know <laughs> i sit here and talk about movies and stuff so i don't know if i'm built for that i think uh you know it's if i of, had to i'm sure yeah, of course but it's one of those things that i think i would love to 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 maybe i was born many years too late but it's also romanticized you know so it's it, it's it's a heck of a lot harder than you really yeah. think and you're right. I've got a work ethic, I suppose. Your brother has one. You've got one. And we've all got it. But I, I love to uh, always be doing something. Should have learned to rope and ride. <laughs> you wearing go. your six shooter, <laughs> riding your pony on the cattle. That would have been me. Should have been a cowboy. <laughs> um, but this movie, because I had that notion, I never really gave it a chance. I, I think we had a, a two two tape VHS yeah, yeah. set for it when we were younger. That's right. And I always remember seeing Tommy Lee Jones. I'm thinking, oh, maybe I like that. It has Tommy Lee Jones. I knew who Diane Lane was right. and all this kind of stuff. So I was like, oh, you know, maybe I'd like watching it. But, you know, I'd see you watching it, and I'm like, oh, that's a cowboy movie. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I like that and everything. But now that I think I think a lot of it has to do with this podcast, that we're, we're taking a second look at stories. Yeah. We're actually looking into the story of it, the meat of it, the – the explanations why the motivations the characters the foreshadowing the you know all the nuances and everything and this is just a fantastic story it is and i watched it on prime they have it on hd on amazon prime right and i watched it in the theater and it felt like it was a newish movie it didn't feel like it was a movie made in 80 or a television movie made in 89 i know it felt like it was a hollywood movie made maybe in the mid 2000s right. or something like that because the cinematography yeah. is absolutely the, the good grief the locations and stuff the yeah. cinematography where you actually get to see what texas and new mexico look like right. you know the faux montana but i mean yeah you know you actually get to see these places wide landscapes you have people riding up on horses you know it's not a bunch of studio nonsense like they have nowadays or yeah. whatever but so you have these big sweeping landscapes beautiful cinematography great wardrobes and the whole works great wardrobe yeah. that's believable yes. uh, a story that's not hollywood but more really it's a bit hollywood but i mean it's it's more realistic yeah. than most of the movies you see and because they get in the dirt about stuff talking about whores they talk about yep. just different they really get in the in the dirt and it's it's real and it wouldn't have worked i don't think without robert duvall and tommy lee Jones. agree i mean they they're what make the movie they are lonesome dove these two characters and their story and everything and I just think it's it's such a great story. If if you can say, oh, it's a cowboy movie, but uh, but look look at the story, look at the characters yeah. before you look at the setting. Yeah, you know. And and I would encourage. I know you've got listeners all over the world, and we've talked about this before. They're in Australia, and they're in Russia, they're in Eastern Europe, all over, all, the over. Place, all over the place. And people, you know, when I went to Europe, people always thought that. I had horses back home and stuff because I was from Texas. Where's your right? cowboy hat? Where's your right. boots? And, and I had them, so you know, right. there you go. Right. But uh, they they the they have this this misnomer that everybody in Texas is like that. And of course, that's not true. But that was Texas in the 1880s. You know, 1890s. When my friend Derek and them drove through, they're expecting to see tumbleweeds, and they yeah. come through like Weatherford or yeah. you know, some place that's real green with lots yeah. of hills and everything. And they're like, "What is this place?" Well, I grew up in West Texas, and it was pretty 
pretty wild back then as well, even in West Texas. So. And you went to, you were in Odessa, you went to Permian High School, right? I went to Permian High School for a period of time, yeah. That's right, because we were talking about that on the Varsity Blues episode yeah. and, and how, you know, Friday Night Friday Lights, Night Lights is, yeah. is based on Permian High School. And I've, I've actually played golf with that guy, the real guy from that movie. The Not, real coach? No, the real uh, um, uh, quarterback. Oh, okay. That, that movie was made about, I played golf with that guy in, in uh, Bridgeport. That's crazy. Yeah. That movie was made by Peter Berg. I like him. He's yeah. the dude that did like Lone Survivor yeah. and 13 Hours, yeah. Benghazi and stuff like that. But as I was saying, I, I would hope that uh, your listeners in Australia and in Russia and all these far-flung places would uh, would get on and uh, say, yeah, I watched this movie and here's my take on it and I enjoyed the, the podcast and all that kind of stuff. But uh, it would be so cool if they would watch this movie and then you know respond back to you on twitter or facebook or your other places and just let us know their thoughts on that i would really really love to see that okay yeah yeah so you heard that if we, if we can get any kind of uh any listeners from around the world what what your perception was of the american west being in texas and and all that send it to us we'd love to hear it we can forward that on to our guest uh and and, and i really really appreciate you coming on to talk about this um, we did want to do this because this is like, as they, as he said, it was the Godfather of westerns. That's right. Now we did like what's my favorite western, which is Tombstone. It's probably a lot of people's favorite western. Right. This has now come into a close second, if not tied with Tombstone, awesome. just for the story yeah. straight out. Not to mention the performances between these two. Um, but we just really, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I, 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 uh, I know Andrew likes it, but he doesn't probably like six hours as much as right. I might because I'll just, I'll just fall away into a story That's and get right. lost in it. So, um, but if, if, if our listeners out there, if you guys get the chance, it's a very long <clears throat> story. It's uh, over six hours long. Comes in the form of four episodes. Uh, as a miniseries, and they're all about an hour and a half yeah. each. Uh, some a little bit over an hour and a half, but it equals out to about six to six and a half hours, something like that. Um, but it's it's an epic tale. It's an epic story, um, and it's it's one that uh, I think that anybody can can get something out of, even if you don't like cowboy movies. You know, watch it for the performances of the story. Let the let the cowboy stuff, let the western stuff fall into the background, and yeah. just listen to the story, listen to the characters, listen to the acting, watch the acting, you know, and, and watch this this great epic story unfold, and realize that this is, while not real uh, as realistic as we could be, it's a lot more realistic than most of the westerns right. or cowboy movies that you're going to see, especially like the Coen Brothers movies. Yeah, they got great movies, but they're very Hollywoodized. That's right, you know, so. This is a true Western movie about true uh, true cowboys and, and what they do and the, the rough life and 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 uh, but still an epic tale, you know, love, laughter, fighting, all that good That's stuff. True. So, um, uh, but you 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 uh, you would uh, I usually this is the point where I usually ask Andrew, you know, did you enjoy this movie? I'm yeah. sure you enjoyed this movie. One of my faves. One, one of, of my fr- faves. Is it, would you say it's your, your absolute favorite? Um, yeah, as or, far as uh, you know, more like a Tom Selleck. Western. No, 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 no. This is probably this is absolutely my favorite western of all time. Okay, but Tom Selleck has some great westerns, and of course John Wayne and and the rest of. But those, you don't like course. spaghetti westerns. No, I'm not yeah. a big spaghetti western fan. Yeah. 
Well, that's good. Uh, would you say it's your favorite movie of all time? Hmm, I could probably say that. Yeah. Yeah, I could probably say that. Not like you have a huge library of that's movies right. in your head that would be your favorite. That's right. <laughs> like Again, me and Andrew do. I'm a popcorn eater, so <laughs> you know, I'll turn one on to uh, to enjoy it. So. Awesome. Well, and, and, and that's the thing about Westerns. I like to watch Westerns because... You know, it, it, it's history, and I love history, first of all. But also, uh, you know the good guy's going to win and that kind of stuff. You so. got that white hat. That's right. And everything. That's so. right. Cool. All right. Well, I really appreciate you, uh, you know, showing me this movie and actually making me watch it. Because, you know, you, you, you come over to watch movies in the theater every once in a while. And I think it was a while back. You finally said, let's do Lonesome Dove. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, and I think I don't think I'd ever seen it all the way through. And I'm like, fine, all right, let's do it. I want to watch a movie that you like, yeah. that you like as much as I like movies. Yeah. So, so we did watch it, and I did really enjoy it. I enjoyed it a lot better this time that I was actually paying attention and really focusing on what the story was and everything. So, I'm glad you make it made me watch it, and I guarantee you, I'll be watching it for the rest of my life. Cool. You know, every once in a while, I'll throw it in or whatever. Go. So, get your son into it. I need to. Yeah. He'll get into anything. Oh, he, no. He's not concerned about what's flashy and everything. That's right. So, um, but if you guys want to get a hold of us, uh, we're on all social media as the Post Credit Podcast, where uh, uh, our email is thepostcreditpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, our website address is www.thepostcreditpodcast.com, and uh, we're on YouTube. Um, do you have anything else you want to say about this movie? No, other than uh, watch it. I mean, it's six hours. Yeah, it's an investment, but uh, watch it and uh, and let Matthew and Andrew know and me how, how what you think of it. I'd really like to hear some feedback on it. Yeah, definitely watch it because we're in the age now of like HBO and, and Netflix yeah, and binge watching, and right. this is like a binge watching movie. You know, so if, right. you, if you want a good story of, of um, you know awesome stuff but a lot of uh circumstances of hardship and loss and different things that you know this this movie has it all so definitely watch it but uh we appreciate you guys listening and we'll see you next time and we don't rent pigs <laughs> <laughs>